All right, and welcome to the Panhale Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I've got an Instagram live rolling at the same time. So let's get right into this. Um, Last month, I was trying to put out a consistent uh, episode every weekend and see if that somehow increased the uh, response or viewership. I don't really have any tracking mechanisms other than the uh, than the uh, my Squarespace analytics. I'm gonna change that in the near future, but until I do, um, I don't necessarily. You know, I get the same amount of traffic or whatever whenever the person posts it. So I don't necessarily think anybody's looking for super consistent from me. So. I'm just going to start posting these things as I record them. So new month, new, I guess, old technique. I'm just going to go back to how I was doing it. Um, I got a lot of really good guests lined up for this month. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast actually in the future or as it continues because it's like it's interesting to me because there's like uh, there's no shortage of great guests and like super interesting people. So I'm looking forward to continuing on and uh, all that. You know, I guess I'm getting ready for the new year, and with the new year is going to come these like, you know, I think every new year like brings with it the feeling that there's like some sort of a new opportunity presenting itself that didn't exist beforehand. Maybe I'm stuck up in that like mindset at the moment, but. Anyway, um, tonight's guest is uh, Jeff, I'm going to say Warwick again, but it's Wyrick, uh, W-Y-R-C-K. He is the uh, main commissioner for Shake Hands Amarillo, which is the ping pong league that I've been like uh, participating in, as well as hyping a little bit on this podcast. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's been a great group. I've been like amazed at how eclectic the group is it's very diverse and eclectic it's just been a super cool experience and i've been wanting to actually have jeff on since i really met the dude i mean since he popped up in in my instagram feed we talk about social media um and its play into this whole cultural thing that's happening a little bit in this episode but check it out listen to the episode or i guess if you're listening on the podcast, you're listening. If you're listening on Instagram Live, check out the episode. It was a great time. We talked, I think it was two and a half hours is what it ended up being the record time on this. And so that means it's my longest episode to date. But what was really cool about it is there was never a spot in the entire episode where, like there's a couple spots I went to my notes, but just because I was trying to get through my notes, not really because I needed to. We there was no shortage of conversation or conversation topics. Jeff has an interesting perspective on Amarillo and um and an interesting insight into the uh potential that Amarillo has, the potential that Amarillo possesses. So, listen, check out the uh episode since this episode is so long, I'm going to go super light on my announcements. I really hope everybody has happy holidays. I hope you uh, hang out with some family. I hope that it's not miserable when you're hanging out with your family. I hope you uh, 
um, you know, maybe listen to somebody in a way that you have never listened to them before. You know, give somebody a chance that you've never given a chance before. Uh, family is one of those things that there's no voluntary aspect of it. You're forced to be with them or forced to live with them. Um, so you might as well make a good a good attempt. Now, granted, a lot of people have great relationships with their family. Hopefully you're playing ping pong sometime this holiday with your family. Um, so just, I'm wishing everybody a happy holidays. That's basically what I'm saying. Uh, one of my announcements is, uh, for Bardo Bill and the Muchachos. This is a, uh, a band that I am part of, a group of great dudes. And we're going to play a show at Gunnar Wadowski's house on January 4th. Um, I actually haven't confirmed this with Gunnar, but this is what I'm hearing. So, um, be on the lookout for more information on it. If it's something that you're interested in, definitely check out Facebook and different stuff. I'm sure we'll have it up, uh, or follow on, on fit or on Instagram. I'm sure we'll put it somewhere on there, but I'm super excited about this. I've never actually thought that I'd ever play in front of people. Um, there was, uh, whenever I got the call that we were going to do a show, uh, I had some apprehension. That was like my first reaction to it. But since then, I've really become comfortable with the idea, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think we're going to cook up some meat, maybe do uh, some potluck, maybe some sort of thing. We're going to make it an event. So it's going to be a good time. Come check it out. Um, that will be on January 4th. There's a lot of other stuff happening this month, but like I said, I'm going to try to keep the uh, intro super short this time, so I'm not going to talk about them. Uh, but as always, people are posting stuff on Instagram. If you're in the Amarillo area, get on there and check it out. If you're not in the Amarillo area, but you're interested in the scene, um, hmm, maybe check on my Facebook page. Uh, I have a Panhandle Primate Podcast Facebook page, and I'm going to start trying to post a lot more local events and just cool things that people are doing. You know, I know not everybody lives in Amarillo, so it's not necessarily to attend an event, but if you're just curious to see what the scene is in Amarillo, I'm going to try to post more stuff like that on my Facebook. (sighs) Getting long-winded. I feel like I'm getting long-winded. Sometimes whenever I'm doing these intros, I'm not listening to myself. So um, I feel like I get a little long-winded. Anyway, so my last thing is uh, I started a Patreon. Um, some of the, the hard things about doing this podcast and you know, is um, not hard things, but one of the things is that it, it does it's, it's weird. I've been trying to conceptualize this because, the reason I'm doing this is because I really like it, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of fun out of it. Um, but I, at the same time, I want to give people an opportunity to respond. Maybe that's the best way. So I've started a Patreon, um, and I have three tiers. The monthly recurring tier is the dollar make me holler tier. This is a dollar a month. Um, it's the only recurring tier on the podcast. Um, this basically would just go to, well, hopefully eventually giving merch to my uh, guests. That's what my ultimate goal is. If I was making like, if I had 100 people um, each giving a dollar a month, that means every single guest would get $25 because I'm probably going to have about four guests a month. 
would get $25 worth of merch. So that'd be like maybe a hat, t-shirt, maybe a sticker or something like that. Something cool. I just want to be able to throw something back their way. So that's what the dollar make me holler tier would be. The next tier up is the $5 buy me a beer tier. This money will be used for beer. I promise you. Um, any money that is received under the buy me a beer tier will go to beer. Um, tonight I went by Pondaceta Brewery and filled up a growler. Me and Jeff split that growler during the show. Super enjoyable. But that's what that tier will go to is buying beer for me and my guests um, to just drink. So, And then there's the $10 Mythical Creature tier. The reason that this is the Mythical Creature tier is because I do not think I'm going to see very many of them. They're going to be very rare, like the Minotaurs, the Mermaids, the Unicorns. You don't see them very often. That's why they're mythical, you know? That's why they're they're spoken about in whispers. Um, so anyway, check out my Patreon. I'll have a link down in the description of this podcast. Uh, if it's something you're interested in, cool, um, you know, uh, anything... Any support actually helps, you know, like anytime somebody's told me, hey, I've been listening to the podcast and I'm enjoying it, that has given me a a little boost to making more episodes and trying to be more consistent and more uh, professional and better at the podcast. So um, any little little bit actually helps it and makes me uh, more professional, makes me better, uh, makes me want to do better. I don't exactly know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. And I had promised that this was going to be a short intro. So, um, check me out on Instagram at Panhandle Primate Podcast. Check me out on Facebook. There's a Facebook group, uh, Panhandle Primate Podcast Facebook group. Um, leave me a review on iTunes or give me some stars, like a rating, uh, all those things help the visibility of the podcast. So, um, you know, if if you feel so inclined to share something on Facebook, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, the more people that are exposed and the more people that see links, possibly the more listeners I will end up having, you know. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's the main point of this thing is that people are going to listen and people are going to buy into the community aspect of this thing. You know, I want to hopefully eventually get the the community, the people who listen together. And um, I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for all of my guests is like after the afterwards, I feel like I'm friends with them. Um, and I think that they would come to an event. So maybe like a meet the podcast guest event or something, not something to be charged for something like that but uh hopefully you would be in this community it'd be like a community aspect of people listening and tuning into the show so check out all those things share if you would like um the song that i'm playing tonight is a song i've played actually a bunch of times on the podcast it's called alchemy it's off of uh mick jenkins 2015 release his album called waves he has a new album out called pieces of a man he's currently on tour for it but um in this episode we talk a little bit about hip-hop um jeff throws down his top 10 list which was uh, a super like um what would it be uh not 
verbose, that's not the right word, um, well-rounded, maybe it would be the word, eclectic list. I mean, he has old-school rappers, new-school rappers, rappers that bridge the gap from the old to the new. Um, so it's super interesting. We talk a little bit about hip-hop, but I'm throwing Mick Jenkins on here because he's one of my favorite rappers, and I just super enjoy this song. Like I said, I've played it several times on the podcast, but hopefully I'm gaining new listeners that maybe haven't listened to those older episodes. And uh, maybe it's your first time hearing Mick Jenkins. If it is, check him out on everything. I mean, I think he's on everything. So uh, not hard to find. He's on YouTube. He's got some pretty dope music videos and stuff. So thank you for, thank the listener for listening. Thank the Instagram people for watching, the Instagram Live people for watching. Um, I really enjoyed this episode with Jeff. We talked for two and a half hours and it was super easy. Like it was, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like conversations and, and stuff you have to like work through and uh, really make happen. This was one, This was not one of those conversations. It naturally happened. It naturally flowed. It was really good in two and a half hours. I know it's a large commitment of time to ask people to commit to, but um hopefully hopefully you uh hopefully you get it hopefully you hopefully you like it hopefully you hear it uh my wife and my baby just got home Emmett Emmett let's see if he wants to come in and say something to to the to the podcast I don't think so I think he's I think he's glued to his mama so anyway thank y'all for listening Check out this episode. Check out Jeff. Shake hands, Amarillo. Emmett, you want a podcast? No. No? He's tired. Oh, he's tired. He's a sleepy baby, huh? All right. Well, anyway, everybody, this is Mick Jenkins, Alchemy, Drink More Water. Uh, Until next time, uh, take it easy. Enjoy the episode. Starting with scraps and redefining what society thinks is quality. Like who thought up the gold standard? The haves. The have-nots ask not what you can do for them, but what have you done? When you're sick and you're tired, or you're hungry and you're thirsty, and you take that first bite of drink, you sip slow. Because truth is harsh and it burns, but it's also addictive. You want more. Take it. Drink. Mouth. Water. 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 Flooded the market Murdering flows, his blood on the carpet A crime scene Gave him the light Wait till I turn on the high beams Niggas ain't seeing me Drunk off this water, you might just see three of me Don't greet me as God My nigga, I ain't no deity Take off them water wings, I'm losing water weight I've been on creatine, curing my countenance Creating this gold from the lead in my pencil I think I'm an alchemist And this gon' take courage, no cowardly dogs in the pound 
we don't want around No love lost or found Don't give a fuck about a clown Bit him with the pros, conversation profound I was down on my luck, but I'm still myself Drinking all this water, trying to heal myself No, I keep it real, even still, homie Just want you to feel it, I don't really ever feel myself Remember when I had to find a meal myself Fresh out of jail, crashed at my nigga Slims He ain't think twice about the shit The move was a roll of the dice, know the Lord on my side Cause I'm 63rd nights, was a bitch Always knew that life wasn't this though Still had to get right with the wrist rope This dope, with a little light and a pistol Low key, peep high, keep the peace, you know me Right on, man. Were you ready to jump into this yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm here with Jeff Warwick. Wyrick? Wyrick. I'll answer to Warwick, Warwick. Yeah. I'm terrible, dude. Yeah. I have like a slight speech impediment. So uh-huh. especially like a W-Y-R. Yeah, it's tricky. That yeah. like, that jacks with me. That jacks <laughs> with my head. Uh-huh. But um, you are the unofficial commissioner of Shake Hands Amarillo. Uh, Is that yeah. how you describe yourself? That's, uh, that's how I describe myself. Um. I don't, you know, uh, I'm kind of as I think Mason uh, Rogers described me as the pusher. And mm. so someone has to make sure it goes. And yeah. So, um, you know, not with any reluctance. I mean, I enjoy doing it, but, you know, it does take someone to kind of send out messages. And, oh, yeah. You know, uh, plug it here, plug do it Do the there, write-ups. Do the write-ups, yeah. So... Um, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, it's a hobby, but it's, you know, it's more than that. Uh, you know, I feel like it is and, um, I kind of, I'm the pusher, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I try to try to manage, um, try to manage the growth and, you know, I, I don't do it alone. I mean, I have kind of a, a circle, we call it the brain trust, but, uh, kind of a circle of guys that have been there kind of founding members, the members that. You know, I pass a lot of ideas past them and, you know, do you think this would work or should we do this? You know, should we buy this? You know, I mean, anytime we're looking to make like a, you know, a purchase of some sort, it's, you know, because we're starting to collect, you know, funds and we want to make sure that we do right by the league. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we just, uh, it's good to have someone to bounce those ideas up against. And Yeah, you know, so for sure. Yeah. So. Before we get into ping pong, mm-hmm. um, just for the audience's sake and for my sake, mm-hmm. uh, we're recent acquaintances. I said, I uh, can't remember exactly the, it's probably 
maybe four months ago yeah, that sure. I strolled about over that. to your house. Yep. But um, so what? It, what is some like early, early life kind of growing up? You can kind of go as fast or you yeah, know. sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Lubbock. Um, I did my uh, schooling there, high school. I went to Texas Tech. Um, I graduated in uh, nineteen. Uh, 99 from uh, Texas Tech. Oh, and, nice. Uh, we've uh, I followed my now wife out to uh, Tyler, Texas. Um, What'd you graduate from Texas Tech with? Uh, advertising marketing. Oh, uh, nice. Even though I, <clears throat> you know, I struggled to find work in that field, uh, at least satisfying work. Um, in the meantime, I worked for uh, Hastings um, out in Tyler, actually. Really? I worked for Hastings through my college career. And uh, and then uh, when I went out to Tyler, I'm just finding work. I took full time employment at the Hastings store out in Tyler, Texas. Uh, okay. Um, when my wife graduated uh, from graduate school, we moved back to Amarillo, where I took a job as a music buyer for Hastings. Oh, oh, so, okay. So I did uh, music purchases. That makes some that. sense with your yeah, yeah. with your playlist sure. and your like. It seems yeah. like ex- uh, inexhaustible music like. Yeah. knowledge you know yeah seemed- I, you know i was a music guy before um both just an appreciator and um i performed growing up mm. uh, played string bass my father's a bassist oh nice um and a bassist so you know my mother's a musician uh lifetime career musician so um so yeah i mean i've always kind of been surrounded by music um i was a buyer uh, for for Hastings for about ten years and then um, and then we uh, we left town. I was seeking other employment opportunities. In, to, so y'all are still in Tyler at this point? No, 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 no. So we had moved up here. To, oh, okay. and I was working at the corporate headquarters. Oh, okay, okay. That was in uh, that was two thousand and one. Oh, okay. Uh, two thousand two, and uh, and so yeah, <clears throat> we. Um, uh, I've had a good career with Hastings. We left town. I just wanted to get some more experience with bigger companies and, and uh, work for a couple of companies, one up in Kansas and then uh, worked for one down in Fort Worth. And uh, we had an opportunity to come back to uh, to Amarillo and, and uh, it was an offer just from a family fit we couldn't pass up. And so we moved back in uh, 2016, uh, which would uh, you know be the the final year for, for Hastings. Mm. And, uh, I knew when I came back, I mean, it wasn't the same company I left, but, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, still passionate about it and, and just, uh, too dumb and loyal to, you know, say no. So gave it a go as best as we could. And, uh, you know, what ended up happening with Hastings happened to all of us. And I was left jobless and, you know, figured, I'll find something and uh, opportunity came up and you know I landed safely and um, most of my uh, compadres from the Hastings days landed safely as well and so uh, so yeah I mean uh, you know I'm I've kind of I'm a Lubbockite but I'm also an Amarilloan. So was was the move back to Amarillo reluctant or was it you know uh, I think I think what I needed you know it's it's interesting you ask that because I think what I needed to see was that the grass is not greener, you know. Mm. Um, I felt I felt a little trapped in my career, and I felt a little trapped, 
in this city that I thought I'm missing an opportunity. And when I left town and I got, you know, my chance to see parts of the country, got to see, you know, what it was like to live in a big city and kind of live in the suburbs down Fort Worth. And, you know, I just didn't, first off, it didn't feel like a natural fit. Mm. And second off, I, I wasn't satisfied, you know. I just felt like, you know, what I was pursuing was fleeting. And uh, either one, I was pursuing the wrong thing or what I was pursuing I would never have. One mm. of the two or both. So when the opportunity came to move back, even with the uncertainty of what I was going to do, um, I came back with no reluctance at all. I was excited. Well, and like Amarillo and Lubbock, you being from Lubbock, they're kind of like sister cities. Sure. Like mm-hmm. there's some very stark differences and some very interesting things. Uh, but, you know, people that I've known that grew up in Lubbock had very similar experiences and expectations from their town and their city. Yeah. You know, some of the limitations that I mean is like mm-hmm. there's nothing to do. And, you know, sometimes it's uh, it doesn't seem like the city is necessarily cultivating a culture. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah, kind sure. of like, where can I get my buck? Where can I bring in the next chain yep. or like what is the what is the the biggest return on my investment? Right. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. it seems like they didn't necessarily think maybe through the eighties and nineties further than that. Mm. Like where is where's my buck coming back to me? You know? Yeah. But there's and I think I think that yeah, they are similar. Um, isolation of, of both of the cities, I think is part of the identity. Um I've heard I've heard Boyette talk about and and I think some of his guests have talked about you know that that isolation spawns you know great creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to rely on yourself, right? You have to generate you have to generate your own cool. You know, mm-hmm. no one's going to do it for you. No, I mean the cavalry is not going to show up to save you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you're given time and and especially I think. I think I was I was blessed to kind of grow up at a time where, you know, we didn't have, you know, many computers in our pockets. You know, you kind of you had to figure things out yourself. That right? shit. That's crazy to think. You yeah, know? that's crazy to because, think. Because because like from from a cultural standpoint in Lubbock, Texas, who's gonna who's gonna hip you to, you know, like like I'm I'm a I like hip hop. I've always liked hip hop. But who, who's going to give you that in Lubbock, Texas? Now, the answer is very simple in 2018. Oh, yeah. Spotify. But in, but in 1990, you know, you had one outlet, and it was BET, mm. you know, or Yo! MTV Raps, which was once a week. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not playing it on the radio. You can't stream it. You can't. I mean, like, and in most record stores at the time, you know, like my... Hastings right up the block. I mean, they were the last to get everything, mm. you know. So like, that your your window into that world was basically one channel on cable television, and then it was up to you to pursue it, right? Right. And that's and that's that's stuff that's media fed. Your imagination, art, music, things like that, things that you that you would build and you would tinker with and grow yourself you know that was key 
back in those days because it was like you're not no one's gonna no one's gonna give it to you well you and there's like a it's interesting because there's a narrative that gets built around Amarillo and Lubbock and like you were saying this grass is greener narrative mm-hmm. and I've I've seen so many of my friends and you know I I had it for a long time but my job always kept me in Amarillo mm-hmm. and it was like I'd be crazy to not do what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like I know that I knew that even so I would have these grasses greener narratives in my head. Like, Oh man, if I just made it up to Denver, I'd be rock climbing all the time. Or like, Oh, if I just lived really, it's been Colorado. I, and I'd be rock climbing. I'd be mountain biking. I'd be skiing every day, you know, like, and you start like building these things. And then everybody's like telling themselves the same story. Amarillo's terrible. Oh. And Amarillo's the reason that I'm not having fun. Right. When in reality, I'm the reason Amarillo's not fun. You know, right. like it's it's right. not so much that they're sucking something from me as right. I'm not doing my part. And not not everybody can live in Denver. Right. I mean, Denver's finding that out, right? I mean, they're going through Denver, Austin, yeah. all these places, Austin, gridlock traffic and absolutely. such. Absolutely. I mean, those those kind of things. I mean Look, we all want to be in the cool place, but there's there's a point where, and I, and I don't know if it comes with age or if you just kind of have that moment of reflection where you're like, you just think, maybe this is it, you know, maybe this is it. Yeah. Someone has to live in Amarillo. And and I would rather live here in excitement than live here in reluctance. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, and, and it's kind of one of those things, too, that. I've been I've been wondering, and I actually have uh, some of these questions written down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and to to take a to take a break mm-hmm. and to tell. Well, I've got a five seventy five oh, yeah. uh, Browler, yeah. but it's filled with Pondicetta, um, the I forty IPA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's very good. Yeah, it's a pretty it's pretty good, man. I saw them post about that on Instagram, and I was like, dude, I I got to go fill up my growler. You know, I got to. Mm-hmm. Would you like more? Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna need in in my uh, in my <laughs> shake hands Amarillo right. Pong cup. You're supporting I, the whole community right oh, now. Oh yeah, you're drinking Pondicetta out of a uh, six card logoed uh, uh, glass there. Dude, that's the that's one of the things that I think is really cool about Amarillo, and that I think a lot of people miss is there. I feel like in a big city, it would be easy to get washed out with you know or get lost in the static. Sure, but in Amarillo. It's so easy to see the things that are happening and the cool things that are happening and, and to buy into them. Yep. You know, it's uh, – and like once you buy into them, you, you see the owners. Mm-hmm. You meet the owners. Yep. You meet the people who are making these things happen. Yeah. Just bumping into them at the grocery store, right. seeing them at, at these, you know, these different – like your events. You know, you have <clears throat> Pizza Nomad, mm-hmm. uh, shirts from Free Cheese. Yep. Uh, beer from several different places. Six Car did the beer at the mm-hmm. Oktoberfest one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those things like the opportunity for collaboration in Amarillo, I do not feel like it exists. And I don't know. I, I'm Part of this is speaking from ignorance because mm-hmm. you know, I lived in Winston-Salem growing up. Sure. But I was a kid. I didn't have any clue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I've grown up, I imagine a big city it's a lot harder to collaborate with people mm-hmm. than it is in Amarillo. In Amarillo, yeah. it's it's pretty simple because everybody's psyched on anybody doing something cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of... Yeah, cool. I agree with that. And I and I think that um, collaboration is key. You know, I, I, I think that... 
I think our community is at a size where, look, we're we're bigger than we're bigger than Plainview, and we got more going than you know Plainview. No slide on Plainview, mm-hmm. but but we're not we're not Austin, Oklahoma City, and Albuquerque. So we we are at that we're at that perfect size where um, collaboration's not. I, I mean, I don't think it's optional. I think it's necessary, Ooh. right? Yeah, like it's at that point where it's like, look. We're not going to get there playing in our own silos. We have to find a way to to grow this pot mm-hmm. all, all together, right? right. Um, and I think that it's up to to, to city leadership, um, to council, to you know, to proprietors and and uh, you know, restaurant owners and and all the makers in town to kind of understand that that um, there is room for everybody still, right? But the only way that we're going to truly realize, um, you know, our f- full potential as a city is if we play along. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and I and I, you know, that might that might sound a little too kind of we are the world, but I think we really we kind of have to understand that um, we're not at that point where we compete where we can compete head to head yet. You know, our city's still at that kind of. At that point, that brink of, you mm-hmm. know, popping, well, we I, still need to build it ourselves. I've really know, noticed it in the coffee game. Mm-hmm. You've got 806. You've got... That's a perfect example. You've yeah, got the, Roasters. Yeah. You've got Palace. You've got Evocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you even got, like, peripheral smaller shops like Cliffside mm-hmm. and Urbana. And you've There's got all so these... many of them, and they're all, they're all doing well. Yeah. And... And, and they're all doing something different. They're doing something different, and they've essentially squeezed Star Starbucks out of the market. Mm-hmm. Like in most markets our size, there's probably let's say five to seven Starbucks. There's three, and and, and we have and we have I forty plowing right through town. There's right. only three Starbucks. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. And 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 so, you know, and one of the Starbucks is you know. Out on Grand. I mean, people forget there's even a Starbucks out there. Yeah. Um, That's literally a, I'm driving through town. Yeah. I'm stopping to grab a cup of coffee. You're driving through and you're you're westbound. Oh, yeah. So they're stopping. They're they're stopping at the first first sign of familiarity. Right. right? I see a Starbucks. I'm stopping there. That's where Grand, that's where that Starbucks gets probably most Mm -hmm. of their business. But the one out on, the one out on (coughs) Swansea. Tons of business. Oh, dude, packed every yeah. time I drive by yeah. it. It's not that people don't want Starbucks. It's that the the independent coffee game has logged down the center city, mm-hmm. uh, and and they put them on every street corner and everywhere that I see, especially in the coffee side. I mean, you mentioned Cliffside. Every time I go like Cliffside, there's cars outside. Mm-hmm. Roasters. They've got their own game. They've got, you know, great support. Palace has great support. Palace is opening doors, you know, seems like all over the place. Um, So, you know, I think that there is, I think that is a model where we kind of look around and go, no, there is room for all of us, you know, still. And it's like an iron sharpens iron thing. Even like we were talking, I think before the, we were talking before the podcast started Mm -hmm. about the different breweries and how it's so cool that. Um, each each one that steps in is causing every other one to step up their game. Yeah. To where the benefit uh, is going to the consumer. Yeah. The benefit sure. is going to the citizen of Amarillo mm-hmm. that enjoys good beer because each place is pushing the other breweries mm-hmm. to make better and better yeah. beer and provide you know. Yeah. John Marmaduke 
you know, a CEO for Hastings once said, we were visiting a store one time, and uh, it was out in East Texas, and, and one of our competitors was going in right down the block. And he said, you know what that means? And I asked, I said, well, what does that mean? He said, they don't respect us. They don't think we're doing a good job. And mm. the point was, was, you know, when you go in somewhere, there's that level of, I think I can do it better than you. And like you say, iron sharpens iron, right? In a competitive landscape, that person opening up right down the block from Hastings should turn that Hastings store around in a right, second. Right, yeah. Right? And, and or I, crash them. Or crash them, ultimately, right? Like, which is, you know, if that's the case, and that's where that store is destined to go for mm-hmm. the first place, right? But the same thing around here, it's like, you know, you look at, yeah, if someone's going in down the block from you, that means that they don't respect you or they think they can do it better. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Well, know? and one question I can, I'll zing at you since you're a Hastings guy. Uh-huh. One thing that I noticed whenever I would say almost an era, a shift, a change, one was when they let that old building go, which mm-hmm. I'm sure that there was financial and reasons. On Georgia. On Georgia. Sure. They, let, they moved out of the old building. But the other one was whenever they stopped having roasters as the coffee that mm-hmm. was provided in mm-hmm. there. And like to speak to the collaboration yeah. aspect of it, mm-hmm. I whenever it was roasters, I went in there a lot. Mm-hmm. Whenever it switched to Hardback Cafe, yeah. it like lost it for me. Uh-huh. I was just like, why do I even give a shit, dude? Right. It's not, yeah. they're not local. Uh huh. I don't know who Hardback is. That's some bullshit. That that right. that's not gonna work in Amarillo. Uh-huh. You can't like yeah, yeah. Throw, you can't just like spoon feed me some, yeah. Isn't some that interesting? corporate bullshit. Yeah, but know? that's what it is. I mean, it was the kind of store within a store, right? Right. Like, it's an extension of Hastings. It's a Hastings coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Something that they could replicate throughout the chain, right? Because uh, Ro- Roasters isn't in every store, no. You know, and so that was really kind of the model of you know we're gonna do it here and then we're gonna do it elsewhere, but. You're right. I mean, local means something, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's what I also love about Amarillo is that, you know, I I used to not believe it was true. I used to not really think that, I mean, geez, look at Cheddar's. I mean, my wife and I joke about Cheddar's all the time. I mean, like, the second they open, I mean, people just, minds exploded. Yeah. And I'm like going, I'm like going, well, we're still suckers for like a national chain. Yeah. yeah. It's still the same frozen (laughs) shit that you get at every other, Uh like, right. You're getting the same frozen (laughs) shit at Chili's that you're getting at Cheddar's. Like, why? It shows up in the same truck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah, We we just pepper it a little more. Yeah. But, but you know, it's, what's kind of funny is that like, I used to think, that's not true because look at Cheddar's, right? Mm-hmm. We're still so dumb that like when Cheddar's opens, we just like must go to Cheddar's and like zombies, we just mm-hmm. kind of walk that pattern right over to Cheddar's. But it's artisan, dude. It's yeah. like it's what are they home? What is their like yeah, motto? Home it's scratch, like, home <laughs> scratch kitchen or something. It's like oh, dude, that's a nice label, dude. Yeah. I really feel uh-huh. like you uh-huh. know. Yeah, it's really my grandma back there. Yeah, cooking oh, it. dude. Yeah. But the. Uh, but yeah, that's. I used to think like, well, that's not true of Amarillo because we're still suckers for things like Cheddar's, and Cheddar's can come in and just go gangbusters, mm-hmm. and, and they don't have an off night. But then I look at yeah, I look at you know how we support our our local coffee shops now, our local breweries, and you know I think it's exciting. I think there is a lot of loyalty. You know, I thought of like whenever Krispy Kreme, you know, came into town. 
And I'm a Krispy Kreme guy. And this I'm is still, funny. I'm still a little upset so about I that. I went to, in Winston-Salem, I would go to the original yeah, Krispy sure. Kreme because that's where it started. Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to me because I lived out in North Carolina when Krispy Kreme actually, so it was really interesting because we watched it happen. Mm-hmm. Krispy Kreme, the brand exploded. Mm-hmm. It was like... They went from two Krispy Kremes. Oh, they were Kremes. opening stores like crazy. They were opening stores everywhere. They yep. in Winston Salem there was like the original Krispy Kreme. Sure. And then they opened one not even not even joking four blocks away. Yeah. You know, I mean uh, they were they were just opening, yeah. and so they opened an Amarillo, and they're doing great or seemingly doing great mm-hmm. all over the country. Mm-hmm. And Amarillo, yeah. Nope. Don't you're, stop. We already you're got on I forty. Yeah. We like, already how got can our, this fail? Yeah. We already right? got it. Yeah. We're good. We're good on our donuts, uh-huh. man. We're, you know, and Amarillo yeah. just did not support the chain. And then, you know, you know I, I'm a I'm a Krispy Kreme guy, so I was a little put off because, yeah. like, I'm like, no, you can. It's a different. We donut. can both have it. You yeah. know, we, we, <laughs> like, there's room for both of us. I remember I went to that Krispy Kreme. I bought a dozen. I think I flushed eight of them on one Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> but there, I thought there was room for both, and uh, and whenever you know. Donut stop kind of suffocated Krispy Kreme by shutting down the the offsite business. I was mm-hmm. like thinking, well, there is some either one is loyalty or two. There's you know, there's a there's kind of a, a donut mafia that yeah. shut it down. Yeah, you know. Well, but then you, you got like a Rise and Shine. Uh-huh. Have you had Rise oh, and yeah, Shine? Oh yeah, sure. Yet? They've opened a new location. It uh-huh. seems like they're doing really well. Yeah, you know, uh, so. Benjamin's is Benjamin's is, fantastic. is great. I'm a I'm a ben, I'm a Benjamin's fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 no Krispy Kreme. Um, that's my plant calling, sorry. Um, but yeah, there's no Krispy Kreme, but there's still, you know, a wealth of, yeah. you know, of yeah. donuts to be had. It's weird, man. Mm-hmm. Amarillo is an interesting place. Yep. Um, man, let's... Okay, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and mark off my Amarillo. I feel like we... We talked about Amarillo pretty sure. good. And actually, I think it's going to come up in several other of yeah, these topics. Fine. But let's jump into some ping pong talking. Okay. So I feel like um, I'm starting to learn that ping pong is maybe a derogatory term. Has table it been your, tennis. Has it been yeah, your yeah. experience that like like table tennis is like the preferred nomenclature? Uh, yeah. Well, so, so here's what I know. Um, when I'm talking with skilled players... Far beyond what we have, I say table tennis. Mm. It's kind of like, uh, oh man, you know how some people use like I say hip hop and rap interchangeably. Right. Like I'm that type of guy, and I'll I'll do ping pong and table tennis interchangeably. Just depends on who the audience is. Right. Right. If you're not going to get credit for calling it table tennis, I call it ping pong. Right. And ping pong is kind of. Uh, well, ping pong is is kind of a casual way of saying table tennis. Ping pong is a almost a kind of a kind of a Western, you know, concoction. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it, it's something that it's like a Milton Bradley kind of name. Yeah, you know, this yeah, is what yeah. we call it. Yeah, when, when you comes in a box and you can set it up, it's called ping pong. Right. Um, <laughs> ping pong is very is is I guess kind of a casual way of saying it. Um, I didn't really know that. I always called it ping pong. I did too. Um, but table tennis is a is an Olympic sport. I didn't ping feel like it was an Olympic sport. That's a good point. You that's know? a good point. I never thought that it was derogatory though. Yeah, you know? like no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see it as derogatory, but it's just casual speak. Yeah, you know? just kind of. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, ping pong is is uh, 
whatever you call it, it seems like we've kind of found, I mean, at least a little bit of a scene here. Um, oh, so, dude, there's a scene. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, well, that like that's what was so interesting to me. So one of the things I want to talk to you about in this whole thing is the social media aspect okay. of it. Because for me, I start, and I don't even know how it happened. Like, and that's one of the things that's so interesting to me about, like, Instagram is I don't know when I first saw Shake Hands Amarillo. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I saw it in a hashtag. I don't know if I saw. Yeah, I think it was before the six car event. Yeah, I, but, yeah. But I don't know when it popped up. Uh-huh. And I don't know where it popped up. But at some point, I, I clicked follow on uh-huh. Shake Hands. Yeah, yeah. And it started. It was like there is something going on here. There's huh. a ping pong, you know, and you're doing the. You do all the graphics. Yeah, yeah. And they're dope. Uh, and I was yeah. like, okay, like. There's something going on here. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But there is something. And, and it was like, for obvious reasons, like y'all weren't posting addresses and stuff on, yeah, sure. on the social. But it was like, hey, we're we're throwing down some table tennis tonight. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah. or like I'd see a picture and it's like, hey, they've got four tables running uh-huh. and all the tables are full. You know, so I'm like yeah. seeing it through this Instagram lens, uh-huh. um, almost from the outside looking in. Yeah. With like a certain amount of anonymity, like built uh-huh. into. Well, it's it's kind of funny you say it because the a lot of that was by mistake because you know first off when we started sorry I keep getting I've just got to shut this thing off here there um, when we first started it was very much uh, I mean like I we didn't know what it was going to become so we were just kind of building it event to event you know i mean we didn't even know if we were going to do it monthly from the get-go and uh and so whenever whenever that you know we started the instagram account just to kind of i mean publicize events um we even got hacked i mean you know beginners stupid you know beginners kind of you know failure to protect and mm. you know someone hacked the account so there's actually two accounts out there there's the old one and the new one but you know what i liked about kind of going about it from the bottom floor up you know was you know we could kind of build it to be whatever we wanted it to be first things first i think shake hands the cornerstone of all of it is community mm. I mean, we get together to play ping pong or table tennis or whatever, but make no mistake, it doesn't survive if people don't have a good time, you know? And uh, You do a lot more standing around talking than yeah. you do playing. And I, and, and I, I don't know if that's intentional. Um, it's just when you get, I think, like-minded. Not necessarily like-minded, because I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of... I mean, there's people from all walks of life. That's one of the coolest aspects yeah. of it is like... Uh, and that's another point I want to talk about, but it's like it's the transcendent nature of ping pong. Like uh-huh. there are, it doesn't matter your religion, it doesn't matter right. your socioeconomic upcome. Well, granted, True. like a little bit of it because you want to have a, you know, typically if you don't have a garage or somewhere to set yeah. this thing up. You yeah, know? there are things that are there are things that are that benefit from you know we we have things that <laughs> I mean we have a space right now that's being donated to us mm-hmm. that. You know, we wouldn't have. Um, well, that's one of the cool stories is hearing people's story of their table. Yeah. Like, what was the um, table you started playing on? Like, what was right. like? What do you know? Do you remember yeah, your so, table? So, the table that I started playing on, 
uh, is still down in Lubbock, Texas, uh, at my grandfather's garage. Uh, my grandfather passed away this year, um, mm. and uh, we uh, we actually had you know that evening of his funeral, we we had kind of a family tournament, and mm. you know we played on the old table in that whole sweaty old garage, you know, yeah. that we used to play in, and you know this was kind of after we were. Um, you know, already kind of doing the shake hands thing, but, um, but yeah, it was, it, it's kind of a communal space, you know, that, yeah, without sounding hokey, I mean, it's what, what we found in this town, just a very simple, putting out a simple opportunity for people to come together and to play ping pong. It works. I don't know if it works in big cities, Mm. you know, but, you know, we talked about, some of the isolative nature of, of Amarillo and there's not a lot of things to do. Well, if I could tell you, we could give you free beer on a Saturday night and you can come hang out and play ping pong and maybe meet somebody new and get to love your city a little bit more. Yeah. Is that a good enough, most a compelling offer to, you know, say 30 people? And it turns out in this town, yeah, that's a compelling enough offer. Well, and that that's one of the things I've thought was so cool about it. And, you know, I, it, it's kind of funny because I've had this podcast going for a little bit over a year now. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always on the lookout for, like, uh, harvesting spots. Yeah, you know, sure. Where mm-hmm. is a high concentration of people that are interesting in a variety of different ways. Okay. You know? Uh And so you, like, like the Tecla House, for instance. You know, you show up, and depending on which show you show up to, there's completely different crowds. So it's opportunities to, like, penetrate other people's bubbles. Yeah. And then possibly find somebody that you can, well, that I can have on on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of always on, like, the lookout, not in a creepy or, like, sleazy way, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm looking for where's... Where's the heartbeat, you know? Like, yeah. Where are people congregating that are worth me talking to uh-huh. uh, in a public sense? Yeah, sure. And, and that's one of the things, like, I instantly, like, walked into my first Shake Hands Amarillo tournament, and I was uh-huh. like, damn, this is a hot spot. You know, like, yeah, there's yeah. a high concentration. I think uh, the professor mm-hmm. was one dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he's a philosophy, philosophy professor. Yeah, then you've got Muhammad, who's... Uh-huh. Working on, he's going to school, but he's maybe already an engineer. Or, uh, yeah, he is. Or, or is he going to school? Uh, is, was it aeronautic engineering or something? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I'm terrible. Like sometimes yeah. I'm really good, but especially once no, I've been drinking know, some beers. It you is. Know? It is a good. It's a good. Uh, I mean, and again, all of it's accidental. I mean, I think people know people, and people invite people. Um, I invited a lot of people out of the get go. Just, I mean, it started really as. It started really as, um, so I go to church downtown, First Pres. We have a table in my garage. This is back last August. And um, we have a small group Bible study. And I just invited some guys from the Bible study over to the house to play. And uh, we had some beer and just kind of chilled and played and had a good time. I put on a little music and that was kind of the innocent beginning of you know what became we felt like i mean at least i felt like well we all had a good time let's do it again next month but i didn't feel like it should be an exclusive event to Mm. first pres people right right? like so so i quickly invited people that were not first pres people just to kind of start 
you know, seeing if more people would come. And, you know, we went from 11 people to maybe 15 the next one. What I was amazed with was the amount of newness that would show up at every event. Mm. Like we would get, say we would get 18 people that would show up. Well, eight of them would be new and 10 of them would be repeats, right? And then it would go to 20 and still it'd be like, you you would just get so much newness. And it, to me, it just seemed like, well, we're really like stepping on something here. If we can get that many new people in the door. And then it became a problem, well, how do we retain people? And that's when we, I kind of turned up the social media aspect just because I thought that could be a real important component to making it from month to month, right? Right, and, right. You know, hitting people up and, you know, I have a little bit of a marketing background. And so, you know, I just kind of decided... You know, and, you know, from, from what you're talking about of like, you know, a theme or kind of working along, you know, you wanted to kind of look a certain way. And, you know, I kind of like the fact that there is a little bit of ambiguity. Like, what is it? It doesn't come out and scream table tennis or ping pong, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I kind of like, I, I like people to wonder what was going on. Um, well, only wanna... because I think it would scare off the crowd. You know, because I didn't want fifty people showing right, up at right. my house. Right. Right. You're you're per, you're putting a filter in place. Yeah. Like I wanted to talk some level of code so that mm. we wouldn't have, you know, some place turn into like a mob scene. Not that I really feared that because we're just playing ping pong. Right. But you have to be respectful of we're doing it at people's houses. Right. You know. Um, so. You know, it's it's kind of like whatever you know, like a like a fight club or or you know, like a rave or whatever. Like you you know, you just kind of had to know who to talk to to get there. There's right? a certain amount of trust when you hand somebody a blank check, mm-hmm. and inviting somebody over to your house is a lot like yes. handing them a blank Absolutely. check. Absolutely, and and I will say that make no mistake, if anyone wants to ever come to our, to the group on Facebook. We'll add them. Right, right. Like, you don't have to know a secret handshake. Right, right. right? But but it's just that much of a stop that kind of prevents it from becoming... Because, I, I mean, I don't know if if we opened at the floodgates how many people would show up. But I don't want to dare go there, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't... You know, I don't even mind talking about it because I, I feel like in this town, people understand, like, you know, if I show up at an event and I can't play... Well, I'm probably never going to go again. Right. I still think we're at that point where it's up to us to put together a good night. Mm -hmm. Right? People don't just show up and have a good night all on their own. Right, right. You know, we have to to provide the secret sauce. You know, we have to give something that will make people want to come back. I don't think... There's a commodity. There's like... Yeah, I don't think... There has to be a commodity in, in a traded... Uh, value system, you know. Well, sure, and and we we were getting to the point too that there are things that cost money, right? Like incidentals, and I've always held to you know I don't want to lose money. I'm not looking to make money, right? But I don't want to lose money either, you know. And and just the thought being that I think from a communal standpoint, we can all kind of chip in and make the engine go, mm-hmm. right? And so we started looking for a $10 entry fee, which I thought was, it felt really daring at the time. But then, you know, I started thinking about it and I thought, well, $10 is is probably fair. We give you free beer, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll head up the brackets, 
you know, we'll try to put together a good playlist, you know, we'll give you a safe space to socialize and, and have fun. Um, we're, you know, we, we give out trophies. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's cash prizes, you know, we're seeking sponsors, you know, we're trying to kind of grow it, but it doesn't happen just purely on a $0 entry fee, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like, and so, um, and that was also part of, we kind of kicked the tires on doing charity last July for, for the Alzheimer's Maggie's warriors. Um, and, uh, that was something that, you know, we, we made a very intentional decision that we're going to charge $30 a head. And it felt just, I mean, I've never done those kind of events, so I didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, we had to collect things to give away, you know, to kind of reimburse, to go, hey, mm-hmm. well, look what you're getting, you know. Right, I know $30 right. is a lot to pay to play ping pong, you know. Some people won't pay that to play golf, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, there was, we were doing good by people paying $30 to, you know, what we felt was a very good cause and a really good story. Um, we're going to do it again, you know, because to me, I felt like, there was a point where it felt like the growth was, it was really cool and it was very Amarillo, which I really like. But then it was like, well, what are we doing if we're just serving ourselves? Mm. And I felt like there was probably an arm there that we could, you know, do some charity stuff and use all these people going in one general direction, not to, not to capitalize or, you know, make sure to drink your Ovaltine moment. You know, it's like, we didn't want to like sucker people. Right. We just kind of want to say, hey, if we're doing something cool, can we do something cool for somebody else? Yeah. And uh, and so that's actually, you know, I'm not here to necessarily talk about January, but that's what January is, is uh, we're going to be uh, raising clothing for our homeless uh, population. Uh, we'll be doing uh, your entry fee is uh, three pairs of wool socks, a beanie and a warm pair of gloves. And uh, we're going to donate them to shelters around town. Um, you can bring warm blankets, warm jackets, you know, anything you want to bring. Um, that We're starting to get kind of the tease of what our winter is going to be yeah. like. It's going to be cold and it's going to be wet. And yep. uh, we'd love to do it in December, but we're going to do it in January. And, uh, you know, just because December is kind of heck. Oh, yeah, um, dude. Um, but, yeah, we're going to do one in January. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it is all part of that. Let's do something that people can have fun at. Um, but then can we do something too that, you know, can benefit others? So one of the things I think, so how old are you? I'm uh, 40, I'm 41. 41. So uh-huh. like, I'm 30. I just have to think about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, once you hit 25, it's all <laughs> the same. Uh-huh. But um, has the, so one of the things I want to ask you is, has the social media aspect of it mm-hmm. been fulfilling in a way that you were surprised about or mm-hmm. has it been more of a hassle or has it been more fun you know like yeah you know because I I feel this from uh, several guys actually that I'm, that I'm stationed with that are around your age mm-hmm. and there's like kind of a hesitance but a curiosity around social media where they're like, I see some benefits, but at the same time, I don't want to be posting like duck lip selfies or something. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's both. And I mean, I I think there, there are days where, 
I don't want to have to manage it like a business, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it, largely, I like doing it um, because I am surprised. You need a splash? Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. Um, I do find it. I find it to be. Um, it's it's a curious kind of venture, you know, because I, I, even I wasn't big on Instagram until until this. Um, I like Instagram better than I do like Facebook. I think I read something the other day. Is, you know, you Facebook, all you have to do is just sit there and look at the pretty pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. And Facebook has become just so sharp edged about everything, and you know you can't oh, avoid yeah. an argument, and you know it's like. So I, I find like Instagram is a really strong platform for mm-hmm. it. Um, I like kind of playing around with Instagram, done some stories around it. You know, some of the graphics. I mean, that's the thing is like mm-hmm. now I'm terrible on technology, which is surprising because I think I mean, you do all right. Well, I'm getting there. I'm uh, getting there. I'm getting a little bit better. I'm doing a little yeah, bit sure. better. I'm kind of growing, but mm-hmm. I'm sh- I should be good at this, right? Like. I mean, I, I had a cell phone in high school. I had yeah. an iPhone when I was 20 or, you know, yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I think I got on Instagram at 24. So I've been on yeah. Instagram for like six years. and uh-huh. you know. But one of the things that I notice and that I've noticed more since doing more digital work yeah. and stuff is it does take some time. So sure. like how much time do you spend on some of them graphics, you know? Um, yeah, so the graphics are probably – I mean, I put in a couple of hours – Every two weeks or so, mm-hmm. you know, like three hours every two weeks. They're just, cool, man. It's yeah. like one of those things that's one of the things that you can tell. Mm, maybe it sounds cheesy, but you can like tell an artist by their brush, you know, or uh-huh. like by the brush sure. stroke. Like yeah, you yeah. can see like there's like a depth uh-huh. to the images and yeah. it's like, that's dope, you know, like well, it's cool. It. And you can tell that, yeah. it, that you can tell that it takes not only time, but effort. Yeah, you know? I appreciate that. Well, you know, it's funny because... Um, you know, on the side, shake hands has kind of become just a little bit for me, just a kind of a creative project. You know, um, my wife would tell you, I always have to be doing something creative, mm. you know, um, did a podcast for a while, did mixes and mixtapes for a while. Like I always just have to have something because my job's not creative. My job has never been very creative. I mean, there are things you can do to bring creativity to it, but it's numbers. You know, it's binary code. It's, you know, it's just a, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of hit a form and it's more phone calls and, you know, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily breathe life into kind of the creative side. And so what's kind of cool is if you can, if you can build or be part of something that you can kind of control what it looks like creatively you know i didn't think that i didn't think that shake hands was going to be that but i think that it is part of that component you know of the marketing side of it right like it would be easy for me to create a you know a facebook invite with zero graphics here's where you're going to be this is what you're going to do you know okay well we found early that you know you could get a little bit more of a response or, or people would RSVP 
quicker if you put something on it, right? Yeah, you like, got to have an image, man. Yeah, yeah. You have but an what image. we did in last March, we did. It was like uh, it was like you know what we call it. I mean, it was it was like Metal Night in Wolflin, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just yeah, yeah. it sounded dumb, but it but like for <laughs> me it was like. You know, we're going to... Wait, wait, you're talking about the one in uh, October? No, it was March. Oh, March. Okay, okay, okay. So, so in March, we did... Uh, a buddy of mine, Levi, said, hey, I'd like to host. I'm like, all right. Can we get a couple of tables? I, we did. We did two tables over there. It was out as a back patio. Mm. And, you know, we said... You know we're gonna we're gonna have this event in Wolfland, and I just like the idea. God, I, I always kind of envision it to like uh, you remember Warriors. Oh the old shit! Movie I don't Warriors? live in. I don't live in. I used to live over in Plymouth's, uh-huh, so I considered yeah. like Wolfland. Like, but now I it's like no, there was an event in your uh-huh. neighborhood, and it was not that area. So uh-huh. I yeah, just, like yeah. just <laughs> had that thought in my head. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, Wolfland. I thought uh-huh, I was there. Yeah. So 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 we. So yeah, it was warriors, the thought warriors. of it was the thought of us like going over to to uh, Wolfland, right? Like we're going over to like you know <laughs> the enemy like, territory, <laughs> right? Like, and it is. It's just creating this yeah. kind of. I just was trying to kind of get a little bit of a vibe, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, we did we did the event in Wolfland. We kind of it's kind of like taking the show on the road because we've just been doing it in Olson mm-hmm. up to that point. And uh, when we went to Wolfland and did it there, it was like, well, let's just take it on the road. So we went out to Rocket Ranch, my buddy Mason's house. We did it out there. It's out on past near Bishop Hills out there, mm-hmm. overlooks the city. We did Bring Your Own Vinyl Night, you know, just something kind of, just a gimmick of sorts, you know. But um, it was fun, you know. And then And then when we brought it back in May, we did it back here in Olson and... Originally, the idea was that was going to be the end of the season and we'd recess for summer. And mm. then it was like, well, we can't stop now. I mean, like, we got momentum. We did the May one was uh, Wu Pong. So it was Wu Tang night. Nice. And again, I mean, like, that doesn't cost anything to do that, right? You just, you, you just have to be somewhat intentional about we're going to make it a theme. Right. And it, and it doesn't have to make sense. You know, does it have to? I mean, it doesn't, you yeah. know, but you got to really lean into it. And so we just did Wu Tang for one night. And uh, it was fun. People had a good time. We had 25 players crammed in my house. You know, we had one table on the back patio, two in the garage. It was absolute madness. We got a. We got a rainstorm that came in. It was our first rain in a long time. And, uh, and, it, we, and then we were all crowded in the in the garage, and it was like, well, I don't want to stop for June now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's let's go all the way through the summer, and so we did. Oh, yeah. um, and that's when the July thing came out, doing the event out six cars. Like, well, you know, let's see if we can we can do something in the middle of summer. I felt like it was, you know, I felt like it was a little daring in the sense that there were going to be so many people that are out of town and all that. But when we got forty eight players. At six car, not only that, six car just, I mean, they rolled out the red carpet for us. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I didn't expect any of that. And, uh, you know, for that, it was, um, it was kind of a nod of, you know, we're going in the right direction here. Um, Colin and the six car community, they get it. Um, And we felt like more people got it that night. 
Um, we had a live call. I mean, we we had pre- we had cameras out there. I mean, like the television stations were showing up, and you know, again, <laughs> what you were talking about, like with Amarillo, is we should love to live in a community where like the top lead, the leading story on one of our channels is a ping pong tournament, <laughs> yeah. right? Would you rather have murder and mayhem? Yeah, or a ping pong yeah. like you know, seriously, like a group of a group of dudes, well, and some chicks. Uh huh. Yeah, getting yeah. together. And playing some, yeah. play, hitting a little ball. I know, and, ball it was like, and you know, it's like, well, it's a slow news day, and I'm like, that's Amarillo, and yeah. and like, we we kind of act like, but we kind of act like news. that's a bad thing about Amarillo. I'm like, that's Amarillo's charm. That's the news know? that I wish would get more publicity. Is sure. like, hey, because there are some sleepers mm-hmm. in Amarillo. There are some like uh, one of the one of the things I always loved about ping pong or table tennis. Ping pong, as I like to refer to it, is whenever you'd hear a dad, like a mm. oh, like your friend, you'd hear your friend and he said, "Yeah, I, my dad, my dad's pretty good at ping pong." Yeah, yeah. And then uh. you'd go over to your friend's house <laughs> and you play your friend, and it's like, oh, I'm 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 pretty close. Yeah, to yeah. The, you know, uh-huh. and it's and then you start talking trash to the dad. And you're like, oh, come on, <laughs> dude, get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. let's see what you got. Right. And then they get out there and you realize really rapidly that you can't beat their left hand. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah. If they're hopefully like six beers in, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, yeah. oh, there's some, there's some senseis out here, man. Yeah, there's yeah. some masters, Absolutely. you know, and Absolutely. that's what's really cool uh, about any weird thing is like as you like like bluegrass or you know, not that bluegrass is weird, mm. but all these like like niche uh, sure. underground, niche. yeah, yeah, yeah subculture. Uh, Whenever you call in the call in the aces, mm-hmm. you get the aces. Like Absolutely. you literally get yeah. like phenomenal yeah. next level high. And we uh, and know. it's funny because like that that part of that part of the tournaments has grown tremendously too, where I mean, geez, if you had like a security camera at our first event, mm-hmm. you know, I mean total amateur hour, right? Like we're you know, I mean, we got people are asking, oh, what, "What are the rules again? Like, how do I serve?" Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Lay down, and that's and that's a that's not that's not unusual. But the more that things grow and people understand, like we we really want Shake Hands to be a platform that not only the novice can walk up and say, "I feel comfortable here," but then also experts elite right mm-hmm. can walk in and go look it's not it's not going to be a well-lit um you know air-conditioned beautiful gymnasium that like an elite player might be used to playing in mm-hmm. right there's not a lot of elbow room you know um but if you want to play in amarillo texas this is a spot mm-hmm. until another spot comes along this is what we got well and, and, and it's kind of funny like uh the last, the game between uh, Deshaun, Deshaun and uh-huh. Mohammed. Yeah. I'm like, I was Instagram live in it. Uh-huh. And I'm like heckling them kind of. Like, you know, I was actually, it was funny because instead of like talking shit to him, like I was like talking praise. Yeah. I was like every time, whoa! You know, uh-huh. like I was like yeah. psyched for yeah, him. Yeah, And uh, uh-huh. it was just like one of those things that was funny is it was like, I don't think that this is what they're used to. No, You know, I don't not. think that they're yeah. used to somebody like right. in the background like, uh-huh. like slam! You know, like it does. And I think that's kind of part of the charm is that, you know, 
we just want people to be themselves. Mm. There, there's a bit of the kind of beer league softball feel to it. Yeah. Right? Like, we're not asking. And we've had we've had to kind of calibrate some players because on the front end, just because I'm usually the one messaging people, I kind of know where people are coming from when they come, right? Like, they, they ask me the questions of like, well, what's the competition like? You know, they won't ask around there. But they're trying to kind of fill out before they show up. And, you know, I try to kind of loosen them up a little and say, look, it's, you know, it's fun. You know, that's that's why we get together. Mm-hmm. If you're coming here to just like, you know, slay players and, you know, leave with like, you know, blood in your wake. I'm like, I was like, it's not that kind of gig, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so there are some players and and uh, the, that we kind of had to. You know, just kind of go, hey, you know, this is what it is. And kind of explain it to them because some of these guys, you know, especially last year, we saw some players come that it was obvious they were playing in different quarters. We had a guy come in from San Antonio um, who played in bars and, you know, has a very aggressive game. Um, and uh, But he's a sweetheart, you know, and, and I know he is. And But he plays – he plays – he plays with a really strong forehand, and he plays with a lot of passion, and he doesn't smile much. But, you know, it's like I kind of wanted to make sure that, one, he was having a good time. Because if he's having a good time, it might not look like he is, mm-hmm. but I want guys like that to feel welcome. Um, but I also want guys like, you know, I mean, guys that show up with, like, their sons, right? We're starting to have father-sons show yeah. up. And I'm like, to me, that's cool, mm-hmm. you know, because you're seeing kind of um, two generations. We've seen we've seen a, a father that's probably mid-40s and, and his 13-, 12-year-old son, right, show up. We've also seen a father that's, you know, mid-60s and his son that's 40 show right. up, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, we have, we have the – now we have kind of a young child – you know, like about to be a teen, and we have the older, you know, like grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so you get that spectrum of players. It's like, how wild is it that we're trying to accommodate all of them oh, in yeah. this one space? Um, and sometimes it, it feels a little overwhelming, especially when you're trying to put the brackets together. You're like, well, then you got the player who I haven't played in five years, mm-hmm. but I'm a killer. Yes. Yeah. You know, like as uh-huh. soon as I get my shot back. Yeah. It's on. It's on. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I haven't picked up a paddle in five years, right. you know, yeah, yeah. or like whatever. So. And we get we get a and, and again, the cool thing about doing a monthly is you get an opportunity to play every month. Mm-hmm. It might have been five years since you picked up your racket. You can play every month if you want to. You know? Yeah. Uh, and and what I like seeing is that, you know, I'm hearing you know, people opening up. Hey, I'm I'm gonna practice. I'm gonna play this weekend. It's not practice, but we're just gonna get together and play. I'm like, now the Facebook group has kind of become that zone where people go, Hey, I'm playing this weekend if you want to play. Yeah, right. Like, and and so that's a that's a really nice byproduct of kind of that community growing is that people meet people and people feel comfortable going over to other people's house and they can, you know, kind of break bread, mm-hmm, you know, and, and mm-hmm. in this case it's ping pong, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's not anything that, that I'm in any way, shape, or form responsible for. That's just when you kind of put the platform together for people to meet each other. People like hanging out, yeah. you know, and so it's like 
I just put up graphics and, you know, host the event. I don't even host anymore. You know, I build the playlist and I put the graphics together. That's about all I do. Well, that's, that's one thing was the uh, evolution uh-huh. from analog to digital. Yeah. You know, I think the first tournament I was at was a digital bracket. Uh-huh, you know? yeah, sure. So it's kind of interesting because I think it was the first one with a digital bracket, and everybody was saying... September, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah we we're got, stepping the game up. We got uh-huh. digital, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, was, it was kind of cool to, yeah. to experience... To see the the guys who were at the ground level with shake hands and who had uh-huh. come up through the you know yeah, and who yeah. had been believing in it for a while. I'm watching and my dumbass see... like work a manual bracket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you win here, you go here. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like man, it was it was unmanageable. It really was. And 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 one of the guys again, one of the guys in our brain trust, you know, he said, Hey, there's this program that'll build a bracket for you. It's free. You know, why don't you just do that? And I'm like, okay, well, now we got to figure out how we project it at an event. Mm-hmm. Someone said, I got, I got a monitor. Someone else had a TV stand, and it's like, okay, well, that's done. Piece of TV. never, never gonna, never gonna use a dry erase board again. Yeah, and uh, and we haven't, you know, but it does. It, it at least, again, I don't. When I'm using a dry erase board, and I'm, you know, clumsily like scratching out or writing out names or whatever it's like that's not a quality product for me. right yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. like i don't it felt like amateur hour yeah you know and it felt like like there's there's one thing to having charm but there's another thing just not having your shit together mm-hmm. and like every night like i'm sitting here trying to fill out these brackets and i'm like Man, well, having it, a digital bracket where you can just punch in the names and it populates a bracket and you start playing. Yeah, you press and you, play and it just goes. You've got to like, have fun at these events too. Sure, yeah. And so yeah. it's like one of those things, like you were saying, you don't want it to cost, like you don't mind being there, but you don't want it costing you money. Right. Well, it, when it starts costing you it's, time it, energy, and it starts yeah, costing yeah, you energy and it yeah. starts taking away from what Shake Hands is about, which is right. the conversations and the camaraderie yep. and then and just watching games and yeah. you know, like Yeah. And it's the same thing too. I mean, like I have a family, you have a family, you can understand it. Mm. You work, you know, you work tirelessly at your job, you get you kinda of lock into your schedule, but anything that's extracurricular, I mean you you have to sometimes fit it in with a shoehorn. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. and so like for me, two kids Working 50 hours a week, my wife works. I mean, you know, things go undone if, you know, we don't have our hand on the wheel, right? Yeah. And so shake hands is an elective, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to pay me any money, you know? Um, all I can hope is that it helps build some level of community. Um, and that for that, it's worth it. But if it's not accomplishing that and if it's soul-sucking or if it's, you know, I'm not feeling like, you know, it's doing what I needed to do for me to feel somewhat, I don't know, somewhat complete by doing it. Then yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm out, you know. Yeah. But I feel like whatever the future is, is I think there's enough of a community to self-propel it. Mm. So for me, it's like, I don't mind at all just kind of ducking back and doing the graphic work and all that. Because... It's not about me. It's about guys like Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And it's about guys like Henry. Um, it's it's you know it's about guys coming up from Lubbock to play. 
You know, that's that's exciting, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it showcases the best of Amarillo. All ages, all nationalities, both sides of the political aisle. It's what's so funny know. is like you, you hear a certain narrative or you feel a certain narrative like Beto versus Cruz or uh-huh. Red versus Blue and you get all of these things where it's like there's like this feeling, this thing coming in that's saying everybody's racist, everybody's prejudiced, mm. people don't like differences, people don't like this different stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then at all these different places that I congregate in Amarillo and shake hands is like the is a perfect example yeah. of there's not a single there's not a single <clears throat> there's not a single factor other than people enjoying ping pong yeah. uniting everybody in the room. Yeah, that's you know, good. like like that's there's good. not one thing. It's not like, oh, everybody works here right. or everybody's of this faith yeah, or yeah. everybody's of this race or everybody's like it's it is truly a melting pot. Yeah. And what you see is like once the ball bounces, everybody's the same. Yeah. Well, not truly. I mean, there's yeah, some people but, that are complete badasses. <laughs> but but, yeah. but you're playing on the no, same table. Yeah, you're yeah. playing with the same uh, ball. The right. net is the same, yeah. you know. I mean, and it I don't know if everybody wants that. That's what I want in my community. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's where that's what that's that's the city I want my kids to grow up in. You know, um, if I'm hit by a bus tomorrow and I don't get to go to the next event, like I hope that what has been started is kind of a framework that we can do more things than just table tennis together, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know that without sight, you know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to sound at the risk of just sounding kind of hokey, you know, kumbaya. It's like that's what I would hope we could do as humans, right? Like just get together and civilly enjoy three or four hours mm-hmm. of things that are meant to be, be enjoyable, right. right? Over here we'll argue. Over here we'll fight, and over here we'll work. But here. Is is a is a is a safe zone. And for see, us that's to the do. thing: is the conversation needs to start not in a place of disagreement, but in a place of agreement. Mm-hmm. If the conversation starts in a place of agreement, then when you talk about the things that you disagree or you see differently on, yeah, yeah, it's it's not coming at each other from different sides sure, of yeah. the aisle. It's yeah. coming at each other from the same yeah. the same pool instead right. of saying, "Hey, I'm on a different side." Yeah. We're in the same pool, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh-huh. that's what's really cool is if you can start in a spot of unity, uh-huh. and then act, so like that actually opens me up more, like with confirmation bias and all that kind of shit. Yeah, sure, it yeah. opens me more to being mm-hmm. receptive to a different point of view. If we, yeah, it's if funny we because meet on a on a common ground first. Yeah, it's funny know? because like even, I mean, whenever we. Bring someone in the someone in the group. I usually, I mean, I, I can't help it, right? I'm human. I'll go to their Facebook profile and mm. just find out something about them. Like, oh man, I, you know, like <laughs> I don't know if it's a great fit, you know? Yeah. But turns out, you know, person A that I thought might not kind of meld very well with the group fits fine, you know, because it's like when you're in that zone where you feel like. I don't have to. I don't have to preach. I don't have to wave a political flag. You know, I just have to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And and you know, our lives are hard enough. You know, I mean, it, it's it's hard staying on on the right side of things. It's like, isn't it nice that you can just go someplace and just 
kind of let loose for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know? And and so again, I don't I don't I don't profess it to be any more than what it is. It's a ping pong tournament, but embrace community and love your community and love others, you know, at least for that point in time. Mm-hmm. You can go and do what you want outside of that. No mean mugging, you know, no trash talking. You know, yeah. it's like that's that's not what it's about. So we try, you know, try to kind of really embrace like sportsmanship, um, good times. You know, I like it whenever, you know, it was geez, we did we did <laughs> did gangster rap night in September. You know, and I've got I've got sixty five seventy year old men sitting there while Ice Cube is bumping <laughs> in the background. What and, was the song, man? I feel like we talked. Well, it was it was no Vaseline, which is yeah. just amazing. <laughs> and so, like, and so, like, you know, you have people that are like my dad's age, you know, <laughs> just chilling there, like bumping their head. They don't know what's playing, yeah, you know. Like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like, playing some ping pong, man. <laughs> like, like, and it was just amazing. Like I just said, uh, wow. Give me it, another beer. I know. Isn't this a weird world? Yeah. You know, like you know, you I, again. All of it's accidental, mm. but there's a point where, you know, you can turn accident into intention, and you can put your foot on the gas, and you can say, "Where do we go from here?" It's kind of like one of those things. Like a, a hole in one is an accident. Uh huh. Yeah. It is an accident. Yeah. Anybody who says it it's takes not, zero skill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to so, yeah. so hitting the green uh-huh. takes a lot of skill. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh-huh. But it is luck getting uh-huh. it into the hole. A hole in so one does not make you a great player. Right. So it's kind of one of those things like where that's how I feel like with shake hands or anything that is a really grassroots upstart is it takes it takes a certain amount of work and effort and energy to hit the green. Yeah, yeah. But in order for it to be a hole in one, there's a certain element of luck yeah, and coincidence, it's perfect. And, you know? Uh-huh. And that's yeah, yeah. where I really feel like uh, something like Shake Hands Amarillo has really like personified well. Uh, is like, okay, the graphics didn't have to be there. Right. The the playlist didn't have to be there. The brackets didn't have to be there. The ambiguity and like the the lingo uh-huh. like that like all of these things they didn't have to be there right. but all of them being there at the same time yeah increases the probability that you're gonna hit the green okay which yeah, increases yeah. the probability that you're gonna drop a hole right one, yeah you know yeah what's funny too is like you mentioned like you know we weren't posting like a lot of like pictures from events and it wasn't like we even had like a sponsor tell us, you know, you need to do like a Facebook live feed and, you know, it, it helps tell the story and all this. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, who's going to do that? Right. I mean, like when I'm at an event, the last thing I want to do and the last thing I could think to do is let me drop everything and set up my phone to do a Facebook live feed. Well, and that's what's cool you about know? your generation that mm-hmm. I'm afraid um, and that's like we get dog like I'm a millennial and mm-hmm. guys at work always dog on me and older guys always dog on millennial generation. Yeah. They always dog on it. Right. And that that's one of the things that, you know, it's like uh, it's one of those things where the older generation can dog a younger generation. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the older generation is responsible for that younger generation yes. because right. we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like a 12 year old kid. 
like boy, I was a 12-year-old boy at one point in time. And I can tell you, I had no control over my brain. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what's happening Uh is largely due to, like, the cultural inputs and, like, and if I'm embarrassed or something like that, you know? Sure. Like, I rely, you have to rely on these older mentors who know what kind of state of mind you're in. And that's one of the things that I think is super interesting to me about the social media movement and, like, Uh almost like a... Almost like, almost like taking so so. For instance, um, a Facebook Live, or this is what drives me crazy: is people recording at a concert. Yeah, yeah. People recording with their phones at yeah, a concert. Like and it's like, dude, your your audio is gonna be shit. Yeah. Your video quality. Right. I mean, they're getting amazing with these phones, but it's yeah. still gonna be shit. Yeah, like the question is, who's benefiting from what you're doing right now? So versus yeah. versus you. You yeah. know for a fact that there is a professional uh-huh. cameraman. Uh-huh. There's a professional sound crew. Right. They're all recording this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sit back and you enjoy. You uh-huh. be there yes. to be, be what present. you be present. Be yeah. what you're supposed to be. Yeah, sure. But it's almost like people almost feel like some sort of a responsibility or something uh-huh. like to the collective to yeah, yeah. to. I don't exactly know. I mean, I'm still trying to process a lot of this stuff yeah. and like digest it myself. I but think is I think you know. Because I don't, I don't like the, I don't like to split generations. I mean, I, I I understand that like generations see the world differently. I'm probably supposed to see the world this way. Millennials are supposed to see it this way. Boomers are supposed to see it. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think that I think that we we really lose. You know, I, I'm even reluctant to carry a phone. Mm. There are times where I see it as a, as a very fundamental tool to navigating the world, um, but then I see it as just a, a complete hindrance to like mm. a true human experience. Right? Um, the the need to capture things and mm. to put you know to store it to to take that moment and take a video of it or whatever, and it's like, well, that's what your brain's for. Right. You know, and if and if your brain kicks out that memory in five years down the road, and you don't have a a physical picture or a digital picture to remind you of it, it possibly doesn't need to be something that's retained. It's like you the know? whole it's the whole parable of uh, the man building a larger storehouse mm-hmm. to keep more of his shit. Like yeah, yeah. we always want to associate those old parables with money. Right. Right? Because that's what this that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about like information. Yeah. And we don't think about all these things that those people then most of them probably didn't even read or write. Right. Right? They're not thinking they're not thinking storehouse of like all of this shit. It's like possessions weigh you down. Yeah. Okay, so so an example of like the the Facebook memory thing, right? Where it takes like a you posted this oh, four shit, years ago yeah. and it got like seventy likes. Like I find like there are let's say there Facebook's probably batting one fifty on those memories, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are things that come back across. That I'm like, no, I don't care. Like that was a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Like I moved past that. That was cool then, and it was it was awesome if someone liked it, but it it doesn't mean anything to me in 2018. Right, I've moved on. Yeah, I see a picture of okay, so I see a picture of my grandfather. 
you know, pass away this year. Like, I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, that was a great day. You know, I see a picture of my dog. I'm like, Mm, a little less cool. Yeah. (laughs) I see a dog that passed away. I'm like, well, you know, I have a little, a little weepy moment, but then I'm, I move on. Right. Like what I don't like is that it's Facebook that's having to feed me these, right? Because again, it just it locks you emotionally to something that is emotional, right? Like, like it, it but says, not not only emotional, mm-hmm. but uh, trying to sell you shit. Yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, it gives you that sugary substance to to keep you coming back, and then it's like, well, perhaps you'd like. You know these Bose headphones. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you like. How did we, you know I wanted that shit? Yeah, How, you know, and, and it's like, and it's know? like, so, so it's that weird kind of that weird connection of I'm going to play with your emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you things that entice you, including your late grandfather. Holy shit! In, including things like this, and then That's I'm going creepy. to I'm going to kind of parlay into not not right after that. Yeah, but but after that's dulled, I'm gonna take you to marketplace and show you this it's array nefarious, of products, right? Dude. And we think that we think that Facebook's good. We think that, and 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 I use it, right? But I'm I'm increasingly leery of the design that basically is replacing what is our natural memories with this kind of digital memory where I don't have it unless Facebook gives it to mm. me. To me, if I forget about something, if I forget about a memory, like a good or bad memory, if I've forgotten about it naturally, like just, you know, I'm getting old, I'm 42 years old, 41, and I just kind of forget something, you know, I don't necessarily want Facebook to go, remember this? Hey! You know, know, like good or bad. Like like Facebook doesn't know Mm. if it's good or bad. It just knows it got reactions, right? So 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 like hey political opinion you had four <laughs> yeah, years ago yeah, yeah. it was or, huge a lot of people or or you know your your dog died yeah and you post this little memorial about your dog and I'm like yeah well okay I don't want to have to relive that day yeah you know and so so it is this kind of this, this thing where it's like Facebook is trying to become a little bit more intuitive mm. so it can kind of tap into things that are purely human or purely spiritual mm-hmm. like you're a computer do what computers do i'm and a human let me do a human see that's what's interesting and like humans forget humans move on yeah right like yeah. there's there's a part of it where it's like i just want to turn it off and go not the hell with it i don't need facebook i want to forget things not not forget things because I'm I'm being cold. I just I just would rather not retain things forever. Well, it's it's one of the things that takes you out of the present moment. It's mm-hmm. one of the things that like almost robs you of the only thing you actually have. Yeah. You don't have the past and you don't have the future. The right. only time you have is the present. Yeah. But when you have a device and a an option, you have a window. It's like uh I feel like well, you know, in like Harry Potter, mm-hmm. whenever he, he has that mirror that yeah, shows yeah. him his parents, it shows you the one thing you want the most. Mm-hmm. And it, and like Dumbledore has that. Well, and I I never read the books. I read the first maybe two books, uh-huh. but uh, the scene in the movie where Dumbledore is talking to Harry and he's like, "Look, 
people have gone mad mm. looking into that mirror. Yeah. Like people have yeah, wasted yeah. their whole lives yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. looking into that mirror. Right. And I feel like he's talking to us, you know, he's talking right. to us about our phones yeah, and sure. saying like like look man, you people people will go crazy worrying mm. about the Kardashians ass or yeah, like yeah. worrying about right. how many people are paying attention or caring about your thing, you know? Right. It, it robs you from that present moment. Yeah. And I've, it, I, I and I've never like I've never been a big selfie guy, mm-hmm. but like, you know, when I see like selfies, I'm like, well, is, it, is that not the perfect example mm-hmm. of like, you know, how we try to capture a moment in time when I looked really good, mm-hmm. and I just had to take a photo of myself. I'm so, you know, I mean, I get it's a cultural thing, and I want to say I'm not slamming anybody. It takes. I mean, inevitably, I am. You know, it's like you're. Why do you have to be so involved with your relationship with this that has to reflect back to you like it's a mirror, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I have to post it out there for other people to see? An insignificant moment in time, and it's more in the grand scheme of thing. Yeah, in the grand scheme of thing, this is this is just a moment in time, in in just a. In your life, mm-hmm. like why? Why is it that important? You know, well, see, and like what's interesting is so, and th- this is like a sort of a little bit of a counter argument, or maybe maybe an argument for it mm-hmm. is like the first written language. Sure, okay. there were there were people who were talking shit on it, mm-hmm. and there were people saying no. You know how we remember stories? Yeah, yeah. You fucking remember the story, right? right? Uh-huh. Like, stop being so lazy mm-hmm. and remember what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Be able to tell it back to me. It was oral history, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'll tell you my story. You remember it. Mm-hmm. Not like the game of telephone. Right. You don't miss a comma. Yeah. You tell it back to the next generation. But, but here's exactly, the problem. You know? Here's the problem. Like, what you're saying is still... Analog form, right? mm. and but so see, so this is this is where we get into the smartphone as an extension of the brain, and if we don't have that extension, are we becoming duller? Well, but right? see, that was the thing is that was the argument against written language mm. is they said if you write it down, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kids will no longer have to memorize it mm. because they know it's saved somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So it, it right. detracts from the story and humanity. This is one of the things that's interesting. Humanity loses a superpower, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You you used to be able to do something like, mm. for instance, calculators. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could do math in my head, mm-hmm. but now I know I have a calculator in my pocket. Yeah, so yeah. why do I learn how to do math right. in my head? You right. know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of like, why do I need to do math in my head? I've mm-hmm. got a calculator in my pocket. Right. So it's like there's like this weird push pull like scenario where you have you have okay. Uh, yes, you can do that math in your head, but can you tell me when Drew Barrymore got a boob job? I mean, not necessarily that. I mean, I don't even know how I thought of that. You know, like Uh something super strange because I probably could, you Uh know, like I could reach into my pocket and pull this thing out. So Mm. I have an immense more amount of power that this new technology gives me. It does rob me of an ability that I used to probably would have had or would have been able to recall Mm -hmm. but now i have this like new like it's like a sword to a lightsaber yeah you know like yeah the the problem is is that the problem is the server dies the battery dies Mm -hmm. or whatever that all goes away and you 
are you, have you become smarter or have you just become more reliant on what you, the yeah. tool that you have? Yeah, right? no, hundred percent. And, and you have people, and you have people that, you know, forfeit certain parts of technology. You know, they say, you know, they, they know they got too connected. Right. And there's that kind of self check or the people that quit Facebook at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, yeah. Only to go back in May. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is that it's that it's that I'm, I'm too involved in it. It's it's too weird mm. that like I can't calculate things on my own or I can't drive from here to here without looking at my phone to make sure I'm going the same spot that I've driven 20, 30 times before. Right. Do I need a phone to go there now? No. You know, like the, you know, I use the example, I was, I was probably a, probably more so a late adopter of like a cell phone. You know, I was one of those kids that had like the, the, the little flip phone razor, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that was my first one and everyone else is starting to get like, you know, iPhones, you know, and like, I, I just never saw the point in having a cell phone. Because to me, it's like, well, people back then, the argument was, well, what if something happens? You know, like, God forbid you're on the side of the road with a flat tire. What am I going to do? I'm going to change the flat. Yeah. Well, Uh, you're not going to call anybody? Well, never called anyone in my entire life to tell them I had a flat tire. I just changed the tire and went on my way. You know, it didn't make sense to me that there was such an urgent need to have a way to communicate with someone when you're away from the house. Well, it's interesting because it's like a, it does take away the self-reliance aspect of it. Like yeah. it, it makes you more dependent yeah. upon other people's opinions. Uh-huh. So I'm going to Google this to ask, okay, how do, is the best way to do this? Right. Or how am I going to, you know, like yeah. you, like it's you, almost like bypass. But again, you're not on network. You're out in the boonies. Right. Right. Like if you never learn how to change a tire, mm-hmm. you're screwed. Yeah. And the world laughs at you. You know, like to me, it's like learn to do things. Learn, I mean, learn like true life enriching skills that like, you know, and, and that, you know, like when I was, I was in Boy Scouts, tying knots, you know, doing things that are real elemental, like to, to kind of learn how to navigate the world around you. I don't know if we, if we still desire that. I don't know if that's something that we put a great value in because... Well, you know, you just Google it. I even told yeah. I told my mother-in-law. It's like she was asking me how to, you know, switch the 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 filter on vacuum. I'm like, that's a perfect thing to ask a phone. I'm not gonna know that. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't like, have your. I vacuum. don't know how to. I don't know this vacuum model. Mm-hmm. Okay. This thing just showed up at my house. Okay. Just look at the model number right across the front. Of the God vacuum. knows I didn't read the instruction manual on no, that. No, I threw days. it away. You know, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of times they don't even put an instruction model in there because they yeah, don't even yeah. Google it. Yeah, you know. So, so it is. Those are perfect things to ask a computer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're in a very domestic circumstance. You know, you got Wi-Fi. You got your phone. Yeah. You know, you got a. You got something that needs to be done. It's it's a it's a new device right in front of you. Just Google it. Okay, but do you need a Google to go from here to Tucumcari? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know how to drive here. Yeah. You know? Do you do you need to Google to see if it's going to rain when there's a cloud in the sky that looks like it's going to rain? Yeah, look outside. You know, just go outside. What? Yeah. How cold is it outside? Yeah, right. Go outside. Go outside. Do you need a jacket? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So, so it is. It's, it's, it's interesting. A kind of a long way of, 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 of talking about that is that, you know, does, does shake hands need 
technology to work. Yes, it needs technology mm-hmm. to market. But when you're there, put it away. You know, I don't mind if you live stream or whatever. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I wish that I could have the presence, but I'm too ADD. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to, I want to talk to people I like. I want to have fun. Yeah. You know, I want to play a little. Um, those events, I want people to be present, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just enjoy it. You know? Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird, well, especially like doing this podcast and everything. It's mm-hmm. like trying to build an audience, retain an audience, sure. keep people interested, keep people to make it even look like you're trying to do something. Like there yeah. there are times whenever I'm like sitting there thinking like, oh, well, I haven't posted anything in a while. Yeah, right. And I'm sitting right. there thinking, yeah. I don't give a shit if I post it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it's like, well, your audience doesn't think about you unless mm. you're posting. So it's like a there's like this strange like uh, – well, I keep using the term push-pull, you know? Like there's yeah. this strange like you've got to – stay relevant while also becoming something new yeah um dude i'm gonna pause real quick i gotta go to the bathroom go to the bathroom yeah that's fine pause real quick all right and uh we are back so that's part of the problem with staying well hydrated Uh uh-huh is like i preloaded with a bunch of water Uh and then i drink several (laughs) beers and i'm like dude i'm floating and it was like one of those things like sometimes i'm like I still have this. Uh, have you have you ever heard of the rock climber named Dean Potter? No. So he he was he did this thing. Um, he died recently, okay, uh, or a couple years back. But he had this uh, this guy. Once he died, this guy was make. They were all making memorial posts. Mm-hmm. So this rock climbing community, and one of them said to uh, <clears throat> he said, "I overheard Dean one time at a at a sign. You know, he was signing autographs and stuff." And this little kid walks up to him and he says, Dean, how do you do the amazing things you do? You know, like how, how do you mm-hmm. do it? And he said, well, you know, whenever you're laying in your tent at night, have you ever been camping? The kid's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I've been camping. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, when you're laying in your tent at night, it's super cold. And, and you're laying there and you wake up and you have to go pee, but you know it's going to be super cold and it's going to be super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and Dean Potter says... I go pee. <laughs> you know, like, that's how I'm the, that's how I do the things I do. You know, like, I get up and I go do it, you know? This is like an awesome, but uh-huh. granted, me going to the bathroom in the middle of a podcast is yeah, nothing, the, nothing the same, but I always think of that anytime I have to, like, pause something that I want to continue to do uh-huh. in order to go to the bathroom so that, like, my brain stops floating in my brain, you know, yeah. my head, you know, it's but um, so the next thing, so granted, I would like to. Can, I got a couple more spots on ping pong, but okay. we will. Since for sake of time, an hour yeah, sure. and a half into this thing, we'll sure. jump to the next segment. Okay, I'll have you on again. We'll talk some more. Shake hands, Amarillo. Yeah, fantastic. But until then, hip hop. Okay. So one of the things, uh, the first night that I go over to your house, you're bumping. I believe it was maybe a mix. Was it Spotify? Were you listening to Spotify? At that I'm not point? sure. I'm not but, sure. I noticed your extensive CD collection, uh-huh. and I was like, "Damn, that is!" I mean, it was like it's dense. It's it's, it's about a quarter of what it used to be. So. Really, yeah. like downsized it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well you got to remember, I was a music buyer, so um, I, I was getting. I was I had, one of the benefits of the job was I was getting a lot of free music. Mm, yeah. so, damn. So I kept what 
I valued the most out of that collection and the rest I just gave away. Right. So so one of the things that I thought was or that I think is interesting is like and granted, this isn't necessarily under the hip hop topic, but is like uh I remember pre digital music. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember in seventh grade we had to come up with like a, a new innovative product. Yeah. And I had an idea for a kiosk. Where you would go and you would plug your MP3 player in and you could download music off this kiosk. Yeah, there was okay. no Wi-Fi. There was no uh, yeah. wireless. Okay. There was no streaming. There was none of this stuff. Like I remember having that thought. That's like, pretty progressive. Wow, that yeah, shit yeah. would be incredible yeah. and uh-huh. this would be super cool. Mm-hmm. And but one of the things that I remember from the time before the digital streaming and the digital media and all this was you had these CDs, mm-hmm. right? You'd have like a hard like a disc. That you yeah. had to put in, and then right. even before that, before, uh, well, after digital music, I guess was burning CDs. Yep. I remember I went through most of my high school was on burnt CDs. Yep. Sure, you know, sure, yeah. But yeah. even before that, you know, you have to listen to the album. You listen to the whole album. You get yeah. the deep tracks, so you right. get the like popular pop it so mm-hmm. like for instance you might buy a wu-tang album because of protect your neck right. but you end up getting all of the which i guess bring the records was probably a big one too bring but yeah. you know you mm-hmm. like you you get the you get the popular songs but you yeah. also get the deep tracks sure. just because yeah, yeah. of the nature of i i don't have this unlimited yeah. supply of all these yeah like, top and it's hits. and it's really i mean what was kind of cool is being exposed to i mean good thing bad thing right like that was the end of the Hastings model, you know, mm. was especially on the music side. But but even more so, I mean, you know, you had digital music, you had digital movies, you know, you, you could stream movies, you could, you know, take a book on the go, you could download mm. a book and all that. It's like all those products were, you know, now in digital form. But I think what was interesting is like seeing that conversion from the album format right and albums not just being in wax or vinyl right but the cd right i mean when you put in a cd you were somehow captured on that like you couldn't leave that cd Mm. you know and then we came up with devices that could shuffle things right like you had the six disc change or the Mm -hmm. five disc carousel Mm -hmm. you know just to kind of give you some options so you didn't feel so captured or harnessed by one cd you know like and for me, it was it, it's it's kind of fun to go and listen to CDs. Not just fun. I mean, like like I I, I enjoy that form. Um, Spotify's cool if you kind of understand what you're looking for, but it can be very suffocating, right? It's like listen to anything you want to, anything, pretty much anything. It's like. I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah. But if you show me a wall... It's almost of, paralyzing. Yeah, if you show me a wall of CDs and or a shoebox that has like 30 CDs and I'll pick one. Mm. I mean, without hesitation. Interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just that we want so much convenience. And, and it's like, well, don't forget, like, we used to not have this. And again, kind of going back to how our brain works. Like there, there is a paralysis that happens when you have infinite options, mm. you know. But if I if I told you pick one, I gave you three CDs. I said pick one. You would you'd be able to pick in a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so it it really is that um, I like the album format because one I like being locked into 
someone's artistic output, mm-hmm. right? The good and the bad and the ugly. A lot know, goes like, in. A lot goes into them thinking. Okay, I'm sitting down with this album. Yes, but that's going and, away. And it's going for an hour, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm listening to this for an hour straight. Yeah, and I want to take this person on a journey. Yeah, and sometimes you miss but that, that when but you that's, just that's totally going away. You know, I mean, we we we've turned into just just give me a single. Mm-hmm. You know, just give me an EP. Like I don't have patience for thirteen songs. Just give me. I mean, like even when I say that, it sounds like that does sound like a lot. Thirteen songs. Mm-hmm. Well, thirteen songs. That that was a standard record. Mm-hmm. You know. And now we just don't have enough patience to just sit and listen to a record. It's like, wow. I mean, our consumption, because of the digital format, our consumption has completely changed. Um, is it better? I don't know. It doesn't work for me, you know. I like vinyl, you know. I, I like CDs. CDs are not as sexy as vinyl, I know, but they're mm-hmm. the same thing. You yeah. just don't have to flip it, you know. Um I like putting on things that play 70 minutes. Maybe 70 is a little long. 45, 50 minutes. You know, that just kind of, you know, you just have to sit and wait for the next song to come along. You know, and, and, and I try to I try to kind of teach my kids somewhat subvertly, you know, teach them that, like, this is how you listen to music. As opposed to, well, you just, just speak into the phone and tell them what you wanted to play. You know, it's like... I like I like my kids knowing that like you you have to go into the other room to flip the record, mm. right? When you hear it popping, you know, go flip the record, you know. Um I showed I showed my daughter a cassette the other day. She was like, "What in the world is that?" Like she was looking at it like I'm like, "Man, I mean like it's I like spent- the 8-tracks like yes. for me, 8-tracks uh-huh. were like this like strange bit of technology that yeah. was like it was so, a dark it time. was a blip it was like <laughs> yeah. a blip and uh-huh. you know it was uh-huh. like uh-huh. what yeah You're, you yeah. know like yeah. what but it is it's funny when you show like old technology you know to mm. kids they get it they might not be attracted to it but they understand it mm-hmm. you know they feel like you explain it to them so i i like i like kind of exposing my kids to to records you know they don't they don't they don't have to, you know, sit around and be the nerd that plays records, you know, amongst their group. Inevitably they're gonna wanna play digital stuff. Well, I, know. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like I feel like it's one of those things like where retro becomes the cool yeah, thing yeah. because like records are on a huge comeback. Mm-hmm. Like there's a ton of So people... you think the CDs will? Um, so this is what's interesting about the CDs, like you said. Because cassettes have come back, too. So it's not, and cassettes are interesting because of the 80s and nostalgic, like, you know, I feel like there was, like, an 80s, like, re reboot, mm-hmm. like, right. everybody, with, like, Stranger Things and that kind of shit, yeah, like, sure. everybody was like, oh, 80s is yeah, cool. Yeah. Right. So, of course, we're going to take, you know, but the cassette has too many problems with it. You know, but people could say that about vinyl too. Well, but see, this is the thing: is it's sexy? Vinyl sexy, mm. and it will always be, just because it's like of the albums. Right, it's the first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of its faults mm. 
are kind of like waived because it was at least the first. Yeah. And the way that they're making them now with mm-hmm. the with the art that goes into them, you know, yeah, like sure. it's like one of those things. If I'm going to buy a physical object, yeah. I want it to be as big as possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like bigger is better kind of thing. Whereas yeah. for a little while. And it's interesting because technology always makes these waves where it's like new technology, everything's really big. Uh-huh. Everything gets optimized, it gets really small. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then you realize, I'm going to break this shit. So mm-hmm. it gets big again. You know, yeah. it's like, it makes so, it's like, so, it's like the same thing with phones. Like, phones so, got, yeah, were big and then it got right. small. And so, like, I, it's funny, you mentioned like vinyl. Um, like, how much would you pay for, like, you know, like, you talk about, like, well, you know, you have, like, uh, you have the record, you have the art, you have the sleeve, you know, all this is kind of a consumer product, mm-hmm. right? It's a commodity. How much would you pay for a record that you really, really like? So that's the thing is as soon as I get a record player, which I haven't gotten yet, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be, especially since a lot of them come with the digital download. Like mm. you own, you now own the music digitally as mm. well as in a hard format. Right. I mean, I I could see going up to twenty. Okay. Twenty bucks. Nineteen ninety nine. You know, nineteen ninety nine. So so nineteen ninety nine for a new one. Okay. And let's say it's hundred eighty gram. It's it's the premium package. You feel like you got your money's worth. When I go to a used record store. Or even better. This is what's funny. So I'm I'm out on Sixth Street the other day, right? High Fidelity Records. No, 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 no. Um, I wasn't at High Fidelity, but I was in the same store. Okay. And there are records that are kind of scattered about, right? And actually, no, it was at Alley Cats. Okay. Someone has like a little milk carton, you know, full of you know records. I'm going through them, and I saw it was. Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. It's beat to shit. You know, like I take the record out of the sleeve. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this thing ain't even going to play, you know. And they want $15 for it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going, like clearly this person doesn't understand the vinyl market. Right? right. Like just because I'm in an antique store and I see a Bruce Springsteen record does not make it worth $15. What they're thinking is you're going to buy it for the... Cover the like cover for the art. package, right? Yeah, but 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 you're telling me cover art record included. You know, it's it's kind of like I don't know if it's like uh, like tattered jeans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, would you pay for new jeans or would you pay for jeans that looked old? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you're paying twenty dollars for a new one, why would I pay fifteen dollars for a beat up one? Yeah, you know, hundred percent. But it is, and, it, and it's that market. I don't, I don't know if we truly understand what the value of a record is, new or old, right? Condition aside or condition considered, right? Like, I have to be able to play it, and I'm like one of those shoppers. Like when it comes to vinyl. Five seven dollars. That's my max. Mm-hmm. If I'm buying a used, oh yeah. If it's been played, if it's been opened and played. $7 is my max. Well, and it's kind of one of those things, too, that part of what I think was either marketed properly or mm-hmm. presented properly about the vinyl record specifically mm-hmm. is that it's a higher quality. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get, which is bullshit, because digital is going to is gonna be your highest quality. It's, it's not necessarily a higher quality. But right, you don't yeah. think so? No, no, no. But I think, it, I think depending on the year... Um, People might think it 
you know, mm-hmm. certainly sound. It, a lot of times what you hear is it sounds warmer. You know, mm-hmm. and that digital sounds kind of shallow. Right, right, right. You know, the levels aren't quite right. Um, it's nice when you're playing like a mono record and you're getting everything through one channel versus something that's in digital form, and you get the violins over here and the the drums over yeah, here. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. it, we got too creative with it. It's nice just to get one speaker, plug in, and play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you get it all full flavor out of one source. You know. Vinyl is what gives you, I think, that richness. Yeah. You know, you can get into different types of vinyl that play different channels, but reality is, is that what I what I always liked about vinyl is that it plays at a fuller level in all channels. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I plug in a speaker and I play vinyl, I'm gonna get it all, you know, just right there delivered. But I don't know. I mean. I wouldn't say it's bullshit the digital's better. Um, and in fact, in MP3 form, you know, you can you can look at some of the studies that have been done. I mean, all the things that they do to optimize that medium, you know, they cut out a lot of the, you know, the, the, the balance and, and the structure of the sound. It goes away. You know, I mean, we used to listen to, you know, headphones you're wearing, right? Yeah. Big headphones, you know, to cover the ear, to give you a fuller sound. I mean, we're at a point where now the earbuds are better than they were when they first came out. But, I mean, I'm listening to music on like a little earbud. I'm like, no, cover my ears. I want to silence everything around me. And I want to have an intimate, like, one-on-one with that record with nothing interrupting me. Right. I'm not going to get that from earbuds. Mm. If I can hear a siren, you know, three blocks away... That's not an experience. Yeah. You know? So we've we've kind of dumbed down how we listen to music. And so I think largely, I mean, the technology is going to go where the consumer goes. Right. And if the consumer doesn't need a high-quality product, well, technology is not going to produce one. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting is like when you have a physical thing. So mm-hmm. like, for instance, do you, do you know the band OAR? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had... An album from them. Is it of a revolution? Yeah, of yeah, a okay. revolution. Yeah. And I think it was any time now. It was a two disc uh-huh. live album, and one of the albums it was Crazy Game of Poker, which is one of my favorite songs by mm-hmm. them. And my CD of it had a scratch about halfway through the song. Uh huh. Okay. And so I listened to this song, and I knew exactly where the scratch was. Where <laughs> and I mean, and it was like uh-huh. it, you know. Uh huh. It became comfortable for me. Like I, it, it became my song. It uh-huh. became my album. My record. Like right. it was mine of it because uh-huh. anybody else didn't know that that thing was coming up. Mm. But I was comfortable mm. with it. Yeah. Like this was yeah, my yeah. like. So it was kind of interesting and in, like having that physical that mine my mm. CD. Yeah, yeah. Literally was my recording of it. Literally was unique to me. It wasn't right. nobody else. Okay, had so that, think like, of it. So extend that, that. Extend that to the digital side, where now. So Apple kind of they kind of segue you into a few things, right? You open up iTunes. You can buy on iTunes. Mm-hmm. iTunes is almost a thing of the past now, right? But you can buy on iTunes or you can upload your stuff in iTunes, right? So you put your whole collection, you burn it over on mm-hmm. iTunes, right? And then and then Apple says, hey, don't worry about storing that on your computer. We got we'll take it, it into the cloud. 
We Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll cover it. We'll take it. We'll put it in this virtual storage space. Don't worry about it. But pay us five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, all of a sudden, you owned it, but now you're renting it. Yeah. I mean, you are. You're paying yeah. a monthly yeah. renting fee to use their cloud. And, like, to me, that's the, that's the, we got you. That's the wooden nickel. That that you basically got suckered into giving your music away. Yeah, no doubt. And so and so if so if Apple if Apple wants to close the cloud down, what are you gonna do? Your music's gone. Or if a fucking yeah. asteroid hits the earth. Or yeah. And- yeah. I mean, or, or, you, <laughs> or you lose the cloud in physical form, right? Like, like yeah. things can happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's no longer or you in your, your password or some shit like right. that. You know. Like, yeah. What? And like, and it, that's not why I have CDs. I have CDs because I I like genuinely like CDs, but those CDs are almost kind of the middle finger to all that. Like, mm. I don't I don't really trust. To turn my stuff over to a technology company. Right, right. Right? I still have to have the physical form. Right. Because it could go wrong. Right. And well, if it goes wrong, I would rather have still that physical representation, cover art and sleeve and case and all. I'd rather have it just so I can go back and I can put it in my, you know, 20-year-old five-disc carousel and I can play it. Well, see, and what's interesting is people who covet art truly covered art like i remember in high school one of one of the things that i uh illegally did maybe i'm out of the statues of limitations now but <laughs> we would share our itunes oh sure like we would share yeah. our libraries so yeah. i would take my whole itunes and i would put it over onto a hard drive yeah and somebody else would take their whole itunes and they put it on a hard drive and then we'd combine yeah, yeah, yeah. our itunes so right. now i just gained this huge yeah. chunk of music sure. mm-hmm. and it was like it, how many songs do you have in your iTunes? Mm-hmm. That was like a point of like pride. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm up to ten thousand, or yeah. like, I'm up to whatever. Uh-huh. I'm I got seventy five hundred. You yeah. know, like you could. I almost, could play this for I could play this for sixty days straight and yeah. wouldn't play the same song. Wouldn't play the same song. <laughs> you know, like you uh-huh. have these weird uh-huh. things, and yeah, yeah. and you start to actually have this like depth uh-huh. of your li- your yeah. library. My library has depth. Right. You know, you uh-huh. want some obscure Sufjan Stevens album? Uh-huh. I got that shit. Right. You know, like right. I, I've got stuff I don't even know that I have. You know, right. like it was this weird thing, and and it was almost like this girth. Like you know, it was the the you wanted the largest amount, right? Yeah, sure. But now I feel like what's interesting and cool about albums is it's allowing the same type of pride, mm-hmm. but you can you can. Say, you know, you look at somebody's album collection, you can tell a lot about somebody yeah, from yeah. their album collection or, right. or what music they say. You know what? The world ends tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We have a digital crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this crazy shit happens. Mm-hmm. I've got my records. Yeah, yeah. That uh-huh. I can, like, if I need to, I can rig up like a hand crank and spin yeah, this yeah. bitch myself, <laughs> uh-huh. you yeah. know? Sure. Like, I've yeah. got what I need with me. And it's mine, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's almost like this, uh, it's this strange self-reliance, you know? I think modernity is really stealing your ability to take care of yourself. Yeah. It's replacing yeah. it with the expectation that something else will be there to take well, care you know, of you me said, me, you said, you know? like, you know, I go and I get, like, as many songs as I can get, right? Like, what's the competition here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing. We, we store our photos on here, 
as this kind of extension of us. But the reality is, is a good record or, you know, a great musical accomplishment is worth, you know, 60 days worth of music, right? If you hear that one song and you're like, that's it. I mean, like, I would be apt to trade in all of my digital music for one really great record that's life-changing. You know, that it's like, you know, to, to, to hear something, you go, that's it. Like, I don't need the rest of this. Like, I'm not going to listen to 60 days worth of music anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And so it is, it's, it's that kind of, kind of moving away from, you know, quantitative and, and kind of focusing in more on qualitative. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, uh, I've been trying to do a little bit of writing. I've uh-huh. done some short stories and stuff. And through that, you know, you start trying to read the classics and you start trying to look sure. into like what has worked, what has transcended. Yeah. And then you start reading these people like Mary Shelley. Like yeah. with Frankenstein. It's like, oh shit, she literally didn't publish any of this stuff mm-hmm. before she was dead. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, and then you start thinking about it and it's like, you know, I post a podcast, and if I don't get likes or if I don't get a response instantly, yeah, right. I feel like I'm a failure. Right. But you have all this whole list of all these authors, all these artists that it, it wasn't until years after they were dead yeah. that they started to get recognized or that right. they started to get acknowledged for like what they were doing. So right. it is kind of one of those things that's that's like almost a shame because. How many artists have we shut down? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. hey, you your your first album yeah. didn't get the okay. response, right? Uh-huh. You know, so yeah, now yeah. you're shut down, you're not getting you're not putting out anything else. Whereas right. in the in the back time, like backstory, back, you know, years back or whatever, mm-hmm. people would, would not even put stuff out yeah. until after they were dead. Yeah. So and, they and, would generate all this art without right. this like uh, without this feedback, yeah. without this without feedback, a channel you know? to, to to the masses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it almost like pr- creates like a more pure like product. So and, so so in a musical sense, who do you think kind of fits that? Who didn't quite get their shine because there are too many obstacles from a distribution standpoint? So the truest example of that is not known. Uh-huh. Because they didn't get fucking recorded, you know. <laughs> okay. Like I mean, uh-huh. I can't imagine. Like I mean, you think back in the forties, uh-huh. or thirties, how many black uh-huh. blues musicians sure. yeah, were yeah. ripping the shit out of a guitar uh-huh. and never sat in front of a microphone. Yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, uh-huh. I can't even fathom. Like in my, I can't even imagine what was complete. Like because then you got like a guy like John Lee Hooker. Mm-hmm. Who puts out like yeah. twelve songs, or I don't, I can't even remember how many songs yeah. he recorded, and it's like you still got musicians or today. You, like, right, that are Robert like, Johnson, yeah, Robert yeah. Johnson. Uh-huh. That's who yeah, it sure. was. John Lee Hooker had a lot of shit out. Yeah, yeah. It was Robert yeah, Johnson. Robert I was Johnson. thinking about. Yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like you think back on that guy, who and there's still people today that are saying, "How was he doing this? How was right. he thinking this? How was yeah. he like? Yeah. He was basically innovating all of these new things." Mm-hmm. But if you had gone back to him. He would have said, no, nah, there was a yeah, yeah. 60-year-old I this, man I, this guy. I yeah. sat up on his porch with him, and <laughs> uh-huh. he blew my mind for yeah. three hours. And, you right. know, like, so you got all uh-huh. these people. So there's all of this stuff that's lost to history, right? Yeah, but sure. as far as, like, people who, 
I think that that's the really hard thing is like you we we go back to these classics, but those are just the people who made it. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. like there's all these people that were probably on the equal level or maybe even doing something too progressive, mm-hmm. too forward thinking that the record company or the recorders yeah. or the didn't see it. They they yeah. didn't see it and they uh-huh. were just like, ah, you know uh-huh. what, you maybe aren't you maybe aren't there for us, you know? Right. But I think of a band like um for me a band like Radiohead or yeah. something like that, that uh-huh. where they're really doing something that it's like you listen to it and it's like no one else is doing this. Uh-huh. And I don't know why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. But it's very special. Same, or like same, a Wilco. Yeah, or, same era, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine. Like, like when the first Rage record came out, I'm like, well, this is truly kind of, kind of shifts the landscape. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of sense that all the good musicians were listening to that record. You know what I mean? Like, like... Something's going on here, and they're saying they're saying I might not even like this, uh-huh. but something something's is happening. happening. Yeah, 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 something's happening. It was it, there was a lot of purpose. I don't know if I don't know if Sony, I think it was Sony or Columbia, but I don't know if they really cashed in on Rage in the way that they could have, and therefore I don't know if Rage really cashed in in the way they could have, mm. but. You know, you got well. You got two solid records out of them. You know, uh, the uh, Evil Empire and then the self-titled. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's one of those. It's one of those bands. It's like the second they came along, it's like everything kind of, kind of stopped for a second. It's yeah. Like, oh, these guys are, they're playing on a different level. Yeah. It's like you know? that's weird. Yeah. A, a band that comes along with that much of attention to only record two records validly, and then they had. A live and a covers record, but no, they had three records, three studio records. I was trying to remember which one's the one. They with had the Battle Monk. of Los Angeles. They had that was their self-titled record. Self-titled, the first one. okay. Um, so yeah, I think I think like Rage is one of those. You said Radiohead, and that was the first one I thought was Rage. Um, I think they're one of those, and, and and there's countless hip-hop acts that you know kind of fit into that because hip-hop was moving so fast at a point that you know. There's a lot of guys that were missed in the fold, you know, mm. because because the labels only wanted the one that looked this way or sounded that way or, you know, could fill stadiums, right? So like, to jump, we're at two hours. Oh boy! So okay. uh-huh. to jump, uh, give me your your uh, being a hip hop uh, guy uh-huh. from the day. Okay, give me the ten best, the top ten list. Top ten, so top ten. And, artists, and what's your right? criteria? What's your criteria? Okay, okay, okay. Let's so um, this is top ten artists, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily lyricists, but just art. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because okay, so I wrote the I wrote this list. I broke it down. Um, let's start with the uh, four founders: um, Chuck D, Public Enemy. I've always been a fan. I would say he's kind of. Like that Babe Ruth, where you know mm. you're kind of like I don't know if I don't know if he would be able to hit the pitch off the, uh, the new guys. Yeah, yeah. But back in the day, there's no guy that did what Chuck D did. Just from from a from a political militant standpoint, I'm gonna go for broke. I'm gonna say what I want to say. If this. If this shit only lasts one record, I'm okay. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'll do something else. Chuck D 
is hands down, he was that blueprint that like spawned so much more. So from a forefather standpoint, I wouldn't say he's the greatest ever, but he was one of those guys that kind of laid the groundwork that like so much was built off of. So um, also in that line, Ice Cube, without a doubt, Ice Cube not only wrote his own stuff, but he wrote other people's stuff. Like some of the most memorable lines in hip hop that were not Ice Cube were written by Ice Cube. Mm. So, um, so I think he's one of those kind of visionaries. Um, I wrote down Ghostface Killer. I'm a big Ghostface guy. Um, Pasta News from De La Soul. A guy that's got just incredible wit, um, form as far as the lyricist goes, and then just creativity for days. Pasta News from De La Soul. Um, from the newer school, but not new school, I got MF Doom. Oh, yeah. Um, MF Doom, just phenomenal lyricist. Tons of wordplay. I always like the way that, first off, Doom's story is just incredible. I don't know if you know much about it. I don't know much about it. No, I've listened to him, but I haven't. So basically, he he was in a group called KMD um, from, uh, she's early 90s, 91, 92. Okay. It was in the third base camp. You remember uh, third base, gas face, pop goes the weasel. Um, okay, so so I anyhow, was a baby. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have, yeah. Okay, so so anyhow, Doom was Zevlev X. He was a part of KMD. Um, they had a bad label deal happen. Um, his DJ got shot. Label dropped the band mm. or the group, and then all of a sudden he's kind of out on skids. He's homeless, kind of going hand to mouth. Um, he gets put on by Bobito, uh, Cucumber Slice. Bobito's, you know, now legendary New York DJ, who kind of put him on and said, "Look, I'll give you, I'll give you kind of some time in the studio to record some stuff." And he kind of came through this rebirth as MF Doom, Metal Face Doom, right? Mm. So he, he puts on this mask. I mean, the guy wears a mask everywhere he goes, right? Like it, it's just one of those crazy stories, and you're like, "How does this work?" And then you hear him on record, and you're like, "Wow, it's it's Zevil of X from the KMD days," but he's just got this, you know, he's got this kind of live life the hard way, you know, learned a lot of hard lessons yeah. along the way, kind of kind of wit about him, but amazing like creativity. And I just love the way he goes about his business, man. Like doing everything kind of on the slide, mm. in the shadows, you know. He produces stuff for tons of people. You know, he's still the kind of old school. Like there was a story about Doom where he, uh, um, he some guy wanted him to produce one of his records. So he, he, he gave him a beat, but he only gave him kind of the beat just to, so this guy could start recording a, a track on it. He's like, I need the rest of the production. He said, you don't get any more production until you pay, right? And he was charging $5,000 a beat, right? And so this guy gave him $4,000. So he gave him basically 80% of the song. He cut uh, it off, like, right? Like he said, if it's a five-minute song, I'm going to give you four minutes worth. And he just cut it off right in the middle. He's like, you don't get the whole song, right? Like, I'm going to give you what you pay for, yeah. you know? And it's, it's so, so Doom is that guy that kind of, 
He's the old school that kind of made his way. Mm, he fantastically breaks. made his way into kind of the new school, right? Nice. Um, atmosphere, you listen to Atmosphere? Yeah, okay, so yeah. Slug from Atmosphere. Um, the first Atmosphere records are just fantastic. And, you know, a conversational MC that could just, you know, I mean, he just he just knew how to connect. Mm-hmm. You know, you listen to the first at first probably three or four atmosphere records are, you know, kind of that. It it was that modern blueprint, that kind of emo aesthetic of like, you know, we're not going to necessarily talk about what Eric B and Rakim talked about, right? Like mm. where there's there's just kind of this emotional gravity to. To his story, right? His my first song that I heard of from Atmosphere was on Fuse TV, uh-huh. and it was Guarantees. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And the the music video is just him, and it kind of comes in and out of focus. Yeah, yeah. And oh. it didn't have the name at the beginning or the end, so mm-hmm. I was like, and it was before Shazam and shit, and I was like. What the fuck oh, was that? You know, yeah, like yeah. So, it was so good. And so it was... you gotta, you gotta go back, and and I'll I'll give you some of this stuff. The first, like the Lucy Ford record, God Loves Ugly. Yeah. Um, Seven's Travels. Um, you can't imagine the uh, how much fun we're having. Those are just fantastic. I've records. since listened to a lot more. Yeah, yeah. From yeah, yeah. from the get go, you know, from that first. Okay, but that so was my so intro. slug from atmosphere. Um, Andre three thousand. Um, I mean the the body of work is there. You know, I mean everything that the guy touched mm. is just like we'll still be untangling some of the stuff that he said. You know, decades from now. It's just, it's, and it is, it's an extension of like Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton, you mm. know, we're not just talking in code. We're on like a different like planet. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And just like when you hear some of the things he says, it's like some of it is very terrestrial, right? Like talking about life in Atlanta, but then some of it's just like what in the world, you know? So his creativity is just crazy. Um, from the new schools, kind of what I call new school. Probably these guys are old school now, but Vince Staples. Ooh, nice. I'm a big fan of Vince Staples. Um, I think his material is real compelling. Um, I just like the fact that he really, truly, it's like he doesn't understand the talent he has. Either that or he understands it and he doesn't care. Mm. Like he can walk away from the game tomorrow and he'd be okay you know like there's just that that kind of uh kind of that feeling like he doesn't really want this but he's so good at it Mm. and it's rare that you see that it's just like i gotta do this because that's what i do yeah a guy like kendrick lamar wants it and is good but a guy like you know like vince staples he's good but he doesn't really want it Mm. and there's just something that's kind of sour about that, yeah, I just like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And anytime you see him, it either either it's a put on, or that's truly how he is. But that's the package you get, and and press junkets and interviews, and even on record, it's like, eh, you know, I, I I'm good, but I don't really understand this toy that I have, and I'm just gonna either put it away, walk away, or I'm gonna ride this thing as long as I can. Right. Um. 
Tyler the Creator. Ooh. I don't I don't really like him as a lyricist as much as full package. Cause I was listening, there's a record called Cherry Bomb, which is one he put out a few years ago. And I listened to Goblin and Wolf before then. Um I didn't really understand. I mean, I kind of understood the aesthetic, but when it got to Cherry Bomb, it was like, wow, this guy's a composer. Mm-hmm. Like, he truly is. Like, he has an understanding of of not just hip-hop, but then music beyond that. He does some stuff that, like, for his age and for his experience, he should not be able to do. So, like, I think Tyler is definitely one that, I mean, anytime a Tyler project comes out, I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and this last one, Flower Boy, you know, is is much in line with Cherry Bomb, where it's like just these little nuggets throughout there, and you're like going, "Wow, he's he's really he's an old soul." Yeah, right? like yeah. you hear some of the stuff that, and and he's doing most of the compositions. But I don't think a lot of people recognize that. Like he does most of. Not only does he do all the songwriting and producing, but he's he's like doing all the compositions. You know, he's he's hiring strings, he's playing piano. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. he's doing all these things. I'm yeah. like that 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 kind of talent is wild. You know, um, so so Tyler, and then my last one, he's kind of he's kind of somewhere in between the last two. Um, Pusha T. Oh yeah, Pusha T. Yeah. I'm a big Pusha T fan. I always keep my eye on him just because I like the Clips projects. Always like the Clips. Um, but Pusha T was that kind of that voice that was set apart. You know, like you're, you know, everything he li- he everything he says just kind of strikes that chord. I don't necessarily. I don't. I don't sit around and listen to coke raps. You know, I've got kids. You know, yeah, and like yeah. like it's. It's not part of part of the, the life I live, but like when Pusha T says it, and there's a way that he delivers things, like it's just like wow, you know, the, it, truly an unusual voice, you know. Um, so Pusha T kind of rounds out my top ten. I would say that if I had a kind of honorable mention, I'm a Del the Funky Homo Sapien guy. Hell so, yeah, dude! So, I love Del. So the first. Uh, first two Dell records. I uh, wish my brother George was here and no need for alarm. Those are kind of in there, you know. Like I'm like, well, you know, you get you get a chance to make two really good records. Dell made two really good records, and by the way, he did Ghost Right for a lot of people. So Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens in there, but uh, that's what I got. Nice, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I thought about I thought about making like a list, uh-huh. and I was like, nah, I better not even make. No, a you list. know, sure. Did you did you make one? No, I didn't actually uh-huh. make a list. Okay, I, so but, so name some names. But see, so I have to go Eminem because uh-huh. yeah, like, sure. Absolutely. I remember I remember listening to like the Marshall Mathers LP, like yeah. in the basement while my parents were upstairs. And yeah, like, yeah. It was one of those things like. I always had my my CD like the uh, remote to my CD player uh-huh. like sitting in my almost in my lap. Uh-huh. So if I hear my parents coming down yeah, yeah. the stairs, I could pause it. So they uh-huh. aren't gonna hear that shit because they're not gonna let me listen uh-huh. to it, you know. Uh-huh. And so I would probably say like, um, I feel like Eminem was really one of my first 
intros into it. I got really into Kendrick Lamar. Sure, yeah. A few years ago. That's great. Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, good. Um, but Section 8, or mm. Section 80, was really like, the album, when I listened to it, I understood more about rap music than I'd ever understood yeah, before. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it was like really yeah. a transcendent. But then there was like, you know, the, the whole Tyler and, um, damn, I'm going blank on his name. I should have written these down. Um, in the Tyler Crew. Earl um, Sweatshirt. Earl Sweatshirt, uh-huh. yeah. yeah sure. He's dope. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. so, and but this is one of the things that was interesting to me about this whole thing is like, for me, Spotify has done more for like my rap knowledge sure. than anything else. Yeah, like, for, it. it'll pull up like a Freddie Gibbs. Uh-huh. Or it'll yeah, pull yeah. up, do you, have you listened to Mick Jenkins? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one, I think that's the guy you turned me on. Yeah, yeah. he's so fucking smooth, man. Uh-huh. And it's like yeah. one of those things, like when you're listening to it, you're sitting there like, um, which I've played on the podcast several times, but he has a song called Alchemy. Uh-huh. And he's talking about turning lead into gold. Right. But his turning lead into gold is writing lyrics. Because yeah. he's writing with a pencil. Uh-huh. And he's yeah, turning, cool. you know, and it's that's like, cool. he just does shit like that. Like he calls himself Noah. Because uh-huh. he, he stopped drinking alcohol and he only drank water. Uh-huh. So, like, in at the beginning of his, uh-huh. I, you know, he would say, like, I'm still drinking water on you fools, you know? Like, uh-huh. I'm, you know, like uh-huh. I'm showing up and I'm uh-huh. saying, drink water, and, yeah. you know? like yeah. and But he was Noah because the world was flooded. Flooded. And then after the flood, uh-huh. God yeah. blessed the world, yeah. you know? And like, crazy. so it's, yeah. he, he has some cool shit like that. Uh-huh. Um you know, and then there's like Yellow Wolf has some uh-huh. spots on sure. a couple albums, yeah. and, and uh, really anything that Kendrick Lamar's on. So mm-hmm. like uh, Aesop Rock, or um, mm. um, trying to think of what. And this is the worst part about Spotify to me is I like, build these playlists and then I forget about yeah, the, sure. the band that's, that's in the thing it, you is know? you're not invested. Yeah, right? I'm not I mean invested. that's the, that invested. is that's the that's the 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 crapshoot is that mm-hmm. like you can listen to all this stuff, but then you're like, what was that song I listened to? Right, you only get that experience from like immersion. Yeah, and you only get immersion from albums. limit. Well, and from limitation. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the hard thing is like whenever, whenever I'm, especially like the majority of the music that I listen to now uh, is uh, other than albums, and now I've got a two and six month year old, you know, and. And I don't even know how I feel about dirty words. I'm not sure how, like, okay. I, you know, I, yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of like one of those things to me. If the parents hadn't told me that shit was a bad word, uh-huh. would I use shit as much? Right. You know? Yeah. Like, the yeah. part of the reason that I'm, part of the okay. reason that I cussed as a kid uh-huh. was because it was like the code, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like, uh-huh. I knew if, if I was sure. cussing around another kid. It gets kid, a rise out of my parents. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if they didn't tell their parents, uh-huh. then I knew we were friends. Okay, so, you know? so interesting story about that. Um, there's a, there's a parliament, or a, a funkadelic record called, um, Take it to the stage. And it has a song on there called Take Your Dead Ass Home. And I was playing this record one time in our house when we were living down Fort Worth. And my daughter was walking through the room and she picked up the lyric. (laughs) And she was reciting it after I put the record away and everything. And I heard her walking through, through the room and she said... If you're not here to get it on, then take your dead ass home. <laughs> this is my four-year-old daughter. 
And I like cornered her and I said, Elsa, come here. Look me in the eye real quick. Dad did a really bad thing. And you shouldn't have heard that record. So I'm going to put that on the top shelf. You know, like like a hard liquor. You know, I put yeah. it on the top shelf. I'm like, we're not going to listen to that record anymore. And don't ever say that again. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And you're just reciting the lyric. Yeah. But yeah, if you're not here to get it on, then take your dead ass home. Is and that it is. It's like kids are always listening, right? And they don't understand language, right? right. But they can recite. But see, that's one one of the things I wonder, and that's one of the things I one of the things I was going to ask you about was hip hop is so good about like one of the reasons. So I used to joke and say Emmett's favorite rapper was Kendrick Lamar, mm. but it was whenever he was born was right when Kendrick dropped his mo- damn. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was listening to it, uh-huh. you know, like I got a baby and a bouncer, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm listening while I'm cleaning dishes yeah, or yeah. whatever, you uh-huh. know, and and so he probably heard, he probably heard that album, right. the album, because yeah. I was into the album. I was yeah, into the sure. whole span of the work. Uh-huh. So he probably heard that, I mean, who knows how many times as a little baby, you know, uh-huh. but it was kind of one of those things like some of the things that Kendrick was says and some of the things that are in rap music are offensive Mm -hmm. but they should be offensive sure you should be offended by it like whenever they talk about killing somebody Mm -hmm. kendrick is saying it and it what's what's interesting is there's like a a combination of glorification Mm -hmm. but also like a longing for innocence yeah so it's saying like i had to kill a cat i had to kill a guy when i was 13 yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I became an, I had my childhood robbed from me. Right. But that's almost them saying, I wish I had had a childhood. Right. You know? Yeah. So like there's like a double side of it to where one side of it is like offensive and egregious, uh-huh. but at the same time it's beautiful because they're saying like, yeah. let's protect our women, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Women well, get, that's the, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and you can almost, you can almost footnote that conversation for a later one because... You know, you go back to, I mean, you go back to the earliest stages of hip hop, right? Like where it's, we're, we're just offending people to get noticed, right? It's a different, it's a different kind of offense, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a different kind of posturing and, you know, now it's like we, we offend for sending, you know, like it, op- it opens the door that we can then kind of send the message through, mm. right? Like we, we had to get your attention. You look back at like Two Life Crew, like, right? Like we're, we're offending to, to basically, it's like a black exploitation or, you know, capitalism. We're like, we're just going to, we're going to get ours, you know, we truly are. Yeah. We don't care who it hurts. Uh, we don't care what the ramifications are socially, you know, who, whoever, you know, sorry, we're going to take ours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have guys like Public Enemy who, you know, was going to give it to you piss and vinegar, you know, and this is how it goes, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to basically let you know, you have NWA who, you know, was the, you know, they call it the CNN of the black community, right? Like, we're just going to tell you what's going on, you know? Since the, since the media won't come to us, we're going to take this package good and we're going to give it to the media mm-hmm. and say, you release it. And you tell people what it's like in Compton. 
because no one else is going to tell you what it's like in Compton, right? There is a level of like like hip hop and rap. It doesn't have to be inherently offensive to be enjoyable, um, but they have found that when you upset when you upset the suburbs. And then they still buy your records, right? Like mm-hmm. there's this 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 subversive nature, right? Like when you when you strike that note and you tie into teenage angst or youthful rebellion or whatever. I mean, that's what it was like for me. It's like the second you you, you mentioned, like when you say a certain word and it's like, well, kids want to say it, you know. When I heard my first Easy E record, I knew it was bad. You know, or Guns N' Roses. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I was like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to say those things. <laughs> Can I listen to that again? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it was. Why, it was why like, do I feel? Why yeah. do I feel right. like I can't say that? Yeah, and so and so, you know, you find those, and and that was that was Elvis back in the day. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, like when it, it is purely a generational kind of extension of we all have our things. Eminem was that. Yes, you know. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, I can remember listening to. I think the album, the song was called Kim. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like Marshall literally Lewis. killing his wife. Yeah. And he's throwing uh-huh. her in the trunk, and he's, it's all sensational. And, and like I'm sitting there the whole time, I'm sitting there like listening to it, and I'm like, this is terrible. Uh huh. But damn, yeah. there's something about but it. It's that well it delivered. Just, oh, dude, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's beautifully <laughs> yeah. crafted. Uh-huh. You know, right. and the fact that uh-huh. it's all him. Yeah. He's making Kim's voice as well as his yeah, voice. Yeah. And he's, yeah. and he's uh-huh. you know, he's like building this narrative and this story uh-huh. and it's like suspenseful and he's telling, you know, and right. the whole time you're like, mm-hmm. don't do what you're doing. Like, yeah. stop, you know, but at the same time, you know, he's insane. Yeah. Right. And so like it was, it, I, I remember listening to that over and over and thinking, why am I listening to this? Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but there's just something about it that was mm-hmm. just so, like... Uh, artistic. Artistic, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. I mean, and, it yeah. went, and you could tell that he was like... There was probably people in the, in the studio uh-huh. after he got done recording that record that said... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's when they knew they had it. Right, right. right? It's like, like going... Got- yeah, it's like... It's like we know we're going to offend people. Right, right. Right? Like, but that's what's going to make this record. Right, right. So, and, right. and it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, so that there's something about, and there's something like, uh, I mean, I've even been told, you know, I'm listening to Mick Jenkins mm-hmm. and they say, I've been told, hey, that that's offensive. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to turn that off. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I don't want to hear that. I don't right. want to, you know, and it's yeah. like one of those things where I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, maybe so one of the things uh, or my like early church days, one mm-hmm. of the things I really loved about podcasts in the beginning was it's a good way of uh, being shown offense. You know, somebody mm-hmm. like it's a good way to let offense into your life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, I like personally is like if something offends me, mm-hmm. I need to take a closer look at it. Yeah, sure. Why am I offended by this? Yeah, sure. Like, why is this hurting either, me? Because either, either one, that will confirm why you were offended. Mm-hmm. Or two, it might change your mind. Right, right. right. There, there. Mm-hmm. I might have a preconceived notion in my head. Because yeah. it's, it's not necessarily you'll be swayed away from your convictions. Right, right, right. You might be 
solidified in your convictions. Say, no, yeah, I just, I just needed to make sure I if heard my what convictions I heard. are right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, okay, sure. yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, it's it's one of those things like taking a closer look. I don't necessarily feel like, yeah. you know, and and you might come at, like with with Kendrick Lamar. Like that's one of the things I loved about Section Eighty. Mm-hmm. His first song on Section Eighty is "Fuck Your Ethnicity." Yeah, that's the right. first thing he comes out of the gate with. Yeah, yeah. Is he saying, in in the, there's one line in it where he says, "I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic. God damn it, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. like fuck your ethnicity. Like right. that's and that's what the whole thing about is like this this old OG is coaching the younger generation. Yeah, and saying. To hell with your father's sins. Start your own revolution. Start your own thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, take Mm -hmm. something, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like super... It's interesting because it's uh, iconoclasmic. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like very specific to that culture. Yeah. But it transcends that culture and it speaks into into my world, even though I've never busted 45s and Mm -hmm. sold drugs. You know, I hear them saying that and I understand it in a sense of... You know, uh, cultural there's a, uh, demand or yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say, too, and there's a... Uh, so, someone wrote about what they called the cultural tourism of hip-hop, right? Ooh. Like, where, you know, as... Without being, you know, like, white guild and all that, but it's it's that we like to go into that neighborhood and take a piece of that culture, right? Like, like we go to the zoo... And we like to see the wild animals in their mm. in their environment, but we like to go home to our safe place, right? You know, we don't want to stay in the zoo, mm. you know. And and how much hip hop is kind of one of those things, especially for the white suburbs, or let's just say Amarillo and Lubbock, right? Like where, you know, you like going to that dangerous place, but you still want to sleep in your home mm-hmm. at night, mm-hmm. you know. And you're kind of cuddled in the bed by your family and, you know, you, your dad's got a good job. He's making a good living and all that. We like that. But there's that danger element that was always there in, in the earliest hip hop and it's still there now where it is a cultural tourism. We like to go there. We don't want to live there, you know, but we want to understand, you know, show us your culture. You know, well, and that's what's cool is it's almost like they don't want to live there either. Like now, uh, yeah, like yeah, there, sure. There's sure. a lot of longing for peace. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like yeah. in a record where they're talking about uh, war, uh-huh. there's a lot of longing for rolling in your in your fly ride with yeah. your buds and and not worrying about uh-huh. you know the the war that exists outside or the oppression yeah. that exists right. from society. You know, it's yeah. kind of. It's yeah. interesting, man, and mm-hmm. and like you said, we probably could, we'll probably have to. So we'll uh, we'll pigtail in on ping pong next okay. next Good. session, and we'll ping pong or <laughs> uh, pigtail in on hip hop. But yeah, so we're at two twenty eight. Um, oh boy, I'm definitely sure that this is my longest one so far. But I got okay, three more hits real quick. Okay, yeah, we'll yeah. get a, we'll do it quick, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. So how do you define success? Um. Mm, not in a traditional form, probably. I. It's not about. It's not about how big your pile is. Uh, you know, it's about it's about love. 
It's about um, investing in those around you, family, you know, kids. I want to make my family proud, you know. I want to make I want to make my my loved ones who have gone, you know, I want to make them proud, you know, make my kids proud. And see, one of the, the beautiful things about that is what makes them proud is when they see you fulfilling what they know you yeah. need to do. Sure, sure. So, like, that's yeah. what's cool about whenever a loved one is proud of you. Mm-hmm. It's not a a worldly benchmark. Yeah, yeah. It's a, true. it's a, I know you. Yeah. And, and I'm proud that you are accomplishing yeah. this, you know? Uh, you know, you, you can't take, you can't take any of this with you, right? Yeah. When you go. Um, and so for me, anything material is just, you know, fleeting. I could care less. I mean, success for me is, is, uh, it's an exchange of love, mm-hmm. you know, and respect and legacy and those kind of things. Um, and uh, it's just not about, it's not about retiring early, <laughs> you know. I, I'm i not guaranteed tomorrow, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to live today. Um, so, in short, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Nice, dude. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. All right, so you got some plugs. Uh, plugs. Yeah, sure. Um, well, since we talked about ping pong, I'll plug, uh, uh, Sean O'Neill at Paddle Palace. Yeah. Um, Paddle Palace has been, uh, kind of a constant supporter of us. They get the vision. So, um, I just love that partnership. Um, plug Amarillo, you know, I just love this town. Um, I can't say that I've always loved this town, but you know, the second it started to click, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this town. And, uh, so, um, the people that do things in Amarillo, uh, that like to do things, the people that tinker, the people that make, the people that are just tirelessly, tirelessly thinking about what the next step is, um, just kudos to them. And, uh, so that's, that's my biggest plugs. Yeah. Nice. And most importantly, the song choice. Oh, song choice. Okay, the, so close um, the episode out. Man, I had a few in mind, but I'm gonna go with uh, since one. So a few reasons. Okay, it's December, so Christmas. Uh, number two, James Brown is our next uh, shake hands. Um, I only find it fitting to pick possibly the greatest James Brown Christmas record ever recorded, which is uh, "Let's Make." Christmas means something this year. And uh, what you'll find on this song, I imagine you'll be playing it uh, here at the end of the podcast. Uh, what you'll find in this song is a uh, wildly entertaining, um, very perfect fitting space for James Brown to do his thing. And it is a, uh, it's a very uh, sometimes sparse, but then sometimes very wild listening experience where James Brown just um, waxes and screams and squeals and screeches in only the way that James Brown can over a very pleasant backdrop of background singers and violins. And it is, it's a magical Christmas experience. Hell yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, I'm surprised. I was thinking it was going to be a rat. A and, rat uh, 
I'm a James Brown guy, dude. Though, too. James Brown, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. see, that's the thing is that he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, nobody denies James Brown. Uh-huh. Yeah, or James yeah, yeah. Brown. Yeah, I said, yeah. but you know, nobody denies it. No, yeah. Like any yeah. any time it's brought up, it's just yeah. like mm, it's James Brown. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a badass. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. So, there. so that's my pick. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right on, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Two hours and 30 minutes. Well, uh, okay. And well, dude, yeah. That was, it flies by, right? It goes uh, it a little does. bit quicker than it you does. think. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all right, everybody. This is James Brown. Let's make Christmas mean something this year. Uh-huh. Until next time, everybody. Peace out.
when everybody used to look forward to Santa Claus. You didn't want to know what you're going to have the next day. You couldn't wait until Christmas morning and jump up. But that's the morning that you wouldn't go to your table. You go straight to your little sack, hanging on the mantel, over the fireplace. Let's! I just enjoyed this. And I, I can't, really can't find enough words that would really make me express myself, the good feeling that I have. But I want to say thanks, thanks God. And now, let's make Christmas the kind of a Christmas that we remember. You know, you made Christmas very, very beautiful for me in my past years. But let's make this Christmas good for everybody. The kind of a Christmas that mom, dad, Let's, let's make Christmas Make this Christmas And all fashion away Now, 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 now It a beautiful, a lovable, enjoyable Christmas. Now, now, now. Oh, that's a violin play. That's a violin play now. So good. Come on. Santa Claus.